Hello. Hello. Oh, hello. Are, are you there? I, I am. I am. Are you there? I'm. I am here. I am. I am not there. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss uh, book that I, I just is problematic. Dr. Seuss. I think we talked about that in a, in a other episode that we did of this. So. So as uh, Ben, as I mentioned, um, I, I have a surprise for you today. Oh, oh, oh. Hello? 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 So, so Ben, as you know, so, so let me, let, let me, let me, let me uh, introduce, our, uh, gradually introduce our guest uh, by way of explanation. And okay. So, so <laughs> see what I, see what I mean, Kathy? See what I mean about his I love vocals? it. I love it. Um, so yesterday I was reading this article by Joanna Stern about this cool new thing called clubhouse. And I'm like, huh, this seems like a thing I should know about. Um, and so I signed up for the app, which is iOS only. And, um, and then I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's a, it's invite only. And so it's going to be a while. And then a little later in the day, a friend of the show, Alex Cox, uh, bumped me to the head of the line somehow. Um, and I'm like, well, that was really cool. And now I have invites, and I'll invite people to Clubhouse. And so, Ben, I invited you to Clubhouse. And then, and I didn't think anything of it. And then I was sitting there, um, as we do. We were watching television. We were watching a, a documentary on uh, Deep Space Nine, of all things. And the documentary was just wrapping up. And I got a, a notification on my phone that said, um, Alex Cox is welcoming you to, I don't know, a clubhouse room, whatever they call it. She's, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I would normally bail on such a thing because it's late in the evening and I've just finished watching TV and I'm gonna ready to go to bed. And, and then instead, it was like, well, it's, it's not that late and uh, I want to talk to Alex. And lo and behold, also... Um, uh, in that clubhouse room uh, was was Kathy Campbell and Kathy and I follow each other on Twitter. I don't. We, we have like intersecting friends. Um, I don't yes. think we've ever talked before. Kathy is um, is a podcaster, Ben, like like you and I. And I w we had a wonderful time in the clubhouse, and then it <laughs> and then Alex had to go, and then it got <laughs> kind of weird. Uh, we started talking about real estate, um, which I'm in favor of because, as I said, uh, it get me got me a house. Um, uh, now, if only it could get you a dishwasher. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. Yeah. Stop it. I, I've Stop done it. my research. <laughs> I, I I invited you on the podcast to be on my side, Kathy. Not oh, to be against oh. me. Well, I, I mean, that wasn't know. in my contract. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Wait. What? I, I didn't even know there were sides. What am I supposed to be debating here? What's happening? <laughs> well, you're, well it's, you're not supposed to be picking on me because I was stupidly bought a house without a dishwasher. Anyway, so... <laughs> So, and the other thing, the other thing, Ben, and see, I don't, I don't believe in ghosts. I am not a superstitious person, okay? But I occasionally think that the universe is trying to tell me something. And so one thing that happened over the last couple of days is a podcast, which it, it, and this podcast appeared in my very, I know my, my, my overcast is a mess and it's complicated, but this podcast called Roboism uh, suddenly appeared in my top level must listen to podcast and I don't remember subscribing to it and I haven't been getting episodes because apparently the show's been on hiatus and Ben do you know do you know who the new co-host of this amazing podcast called Roboism is like one one co one co-host is Alex Cox yes. the aforementioned Alex 
Cox. The new co-host is is Kathy Campbell. It's Kathy Campbell. And, and I'm like, wait a minute. Now the universe is definitely telling me something here. So <laughs> anyway, the one one more. Now I've got a, a question. I've got a question for you, Ben. Um, so so Kathy's handle on uh, on Twitter is Mrs. Soup. Okay. Do you? Without overthinking it, do do you have any idea why her handle on Twitter is Mrs. Soup? Oh no, I, this is I I feel like I've come into something here. I feel like I dropped into a clubhouse that I don't know what's happening. <laughs> well, um, so here's here's the thing, Ben. It, this this never occurred to me either. Okay, until Kathy explained the reason for her Twitter handle on um uh, on the latest episode of Roboism. Okay, so. So here's the thing, Ben. I think you and I are just too close to it to see the joke. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I, I I don't know. I don't know. Is it? I, I have no idea wh- where where this is coming from. <laughs> this, the call is coming don't, from inside ben, my earphones. Ben, don't, don't overthink it. Her name is Kathy Campbell. <laughs> oh, Campbell Soup. Yeah. Oh my gosh! You did it. This is terrible. This is <laughs> no. It's okay though, because your turnaround time is actually significantly shorter than a lot of people that I know. Um, <laughs> I had a friend of mine. We were friends. So I've been married for fifteen years, sixteen this summer, and they've been friends with me that entire time, and just within the last year. Did they get it? Like they were with me with my maiden name before I transitioned. So like it was new names meant something. It was fresh or whatever. And they just got it within the last year. So you're fine. That's awesome. Okay, good, good. I feel I, I well. And, and I think that, um, you know, Don and I being in the food kind of world, I'm like, oh, soup, Campbell, got it. I, I made that that my synapses snapped uh, a, a little quicker. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay, cool. Well, well, awesome. So I, I've got to tell you my my like weird clubhouse experience, which I texted Don about this last <laughs> night. So I also got a notification that that Alex Cox, Cox was starting a, a clubhouse, and I had uh, Don had given me the invite. And I, one of the, um, one of the folks who, who is in my lab works in, in my group, um, Lisa also got a notification that I had signed up for clubhouse. Cause I guess there's like a, you know, contact, uh, sharing kind of situation. And so we were having this conversation back and forth about not really knowing what, what it was. And she said, it's crazy because I got a notification that there was a clubhouse happening and I dropped in and it was like, I feel like I'm eavesdropping on someone's conversation. And, and so, so anyway, that, that, that set me up. So I, I got home. Um, I was, uh, I, I told Don, I was, I was watching a hockey game with my, with my kids and, and then I got this notification on my phone and then Don pinged me, which I assume is like you, you poked me in, in the old Facebook terms, um, that, <laughs> that, that something was happening. So I, okay, all right, let me, let me see, let me turn this on. And I got super nervous cause I didn't know. <laughs> I literally don't know how it works. And I thought everybody who was in the clubhouse could hear all the things that were happening in my house. And then I'm constantly panicked about disturbing people. And so I just immediately ejected out. And then five minutes later, I was like, whoa, hang on a second. Let me try this again. And well, so- but now to be fair, Ben, you didn't exit out. You left, left quietly. quietly. <laughs> I did. I left quietly because I saw, yes, I saw it and I thought, Oh, well, I will just leave quietly. That seems like no one will know that I was here. No one will know that I was leaving. Turns out that's not the case at all. So, <laughs> so 
I still, I'm still not a hundred percent sure what to do, but I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to impose my listening uh, by broadcasting the things that were happening in my house. So I, that was, well, that was well, it. And I went to don't, bed. Don't, don't feel bad because when I joined that, this, uh, this, uh, this, this, um, documentary was just ending and the music was playing, the closing credits were playing and, and Alex immediately said, Don, are you listening to classical music? <laughs> I'm like, no, it's the, it's the ending theme of this, this, uh, deep space nine documentary. Uh, but so, so I think, yeah, and I guess it's, it's a matter of whether the the microphone is is mute, muted by default when you when you enter. And anyway, I'm sure the, I'm sure they'll work it all out. But I think too, it depends on if you're invited as a speaker oh. Oh, or yes. just in the audience too. Yes, good point. And good all point. of those things were like totally brand new to me. So I was just like, I, I did one of these things where I quietly left. I found that button. Then I quit out of the app and then basically threw my phone down. I was like, hopefully you can't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I was doing anything that was embarrassing at all. I was just like, I don't, I don't know what's happening now. Is it, is it like Alexa who's listening to me all the time? I, I'm not sure. So anyway, um, I, yes, I, clearly. I, yeah, I promise that I will, I will get over my fear of this and, and, uh, and I will, I will try out the, try out the clubhouse. But Anyway, Kathy, thanks thanks for joining us. This um, yeah, sir, Don, Don texted me. He said, "I have a surprise for you," um, and 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 so Mrs. Soup is is our surprise. Is my hopefully surprise. you're not disappointed. No, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. It's it's like the opposite. When Don says things like "I have a surprise for you," I have no. I mean, the bar is low because it, it's, it, it could be it could be like here is an article to read. Um, no, this is this is great. <laughs> so, so tell, I guess, tell me a little bit about roboism and what, um, I, 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 this is one of those, those podcasts that's, that I think I did the same thing, Don, where I've, I subscribe to it. I'm not sure I've ever listened to an episode before. And I, I see now that, that you have recently, uh, it's been restarted with, with you. So I don't, I don't know. Well, is it about robots? Is it? <laughs> so so uh, before, before, Kathy, before you answer that question, yes. then, let me just say that in this first episode, so this is, again, the universe is speaking to me. In this first episode, they talked about a robot vacuum cleaner that vacuumed up cat poop. And they talked oh. about toxoplasmosis. And I'm ah, like, okay, that's it. That's we're why in. we're here. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, the show is about robots. Uh, isms and tech, but mostly about robots. <laughs> and spoiler alert, Ben, they both really like robots. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, I did not realize how much I liked robots until I started like doing the show and realizing how many articles or how many connections to robots I had because so Alex and I have been friends for several years now. Um, and we did a show for a period, a smaller period of time called the robot and the unicorn. Um, but it was mainly about like feelings and emotions and got really exhausting. Um, and so we put that on a hiatus. And so when Alex wanted to restart the show and invited me I was like oh my gosh no I don't I don't know enough about robots I don't I don't care enough I don't think like I don't feel like I can be a part of this amazing show uh and then they were just like no please you know I really like you I know it, like it's not just about robots I can ask you questions like I can be lead on it and then it, over the period of the next three days, 
I added like 20 articles to our craft <laughs> document. I was like, oh, I do have opinions about robots. <laughs> That's awesome. I I think I feel the same way. Like I robots aren't in the forefront of my mind, but I'm never I'm not gonna turn a robot away. Like I'm never there's no con- there's no robot. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's no robot content that I'm not gonna Ju- just be happy about reading, and we, Donna. So what you're, ben, I think what you're saying is you're you're kind of robot curious. I'm robot curious. <laughs> I am, yeah. and I didn't. I don't even think I knew about it. I that. I mean, that's that, that's the beauty of being robot curious. I guess. Yes. <laughs> we, Don and I have talked. We th- we have this inside joke that, um, and it's not just like from this podcast, but but Donna. Okay, so Don and I. Oh, so and Kathy, let me explain. This is the show, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're one of those podcasts where if it's in the show, it's in the show. So I love it. I'm here for it. Just to be clear. Well, just so you know, I did listen to the most recent episode because I haven't listened to an episode since you were first on Dubai Friday, which was forever ago. Um, So. I, I'm sorry. I subscribed, but I haven't listened. Hey, so don't worry. Yeah, we, yeah, we feel <laughs> totally you. fine. I feel seen yeah. right now. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so, so we, Don and I, we we do these nerd things. Um, not not just a podcast, but we do like food safety nerd things. And one of the big nerd things that both he and I, I think, really like love more than our colleagues is there's this this meeting that happens every couple of years where food safety like laws get debated and and we I I I really like it because we are the academics in the room and there's there's a few it's it's all like set up with there's councils and it's very official and it's parliamentary rules. Um but but we have in the past sat on this council where anybody in anywhere in the U.S., can bring a change to the national food code, which is this like, wow. doc- yeah, it's it's fascinating. Oh, it's it sounds more important than it is. It's yeah. not really. It's not really. That I mean, it's not important. You know, it, it, hey, don't lessen your like purpose and role in life. Like this is, yes, it's not like oh my gosh, you get to you know have a resounding swath of you know parliamentary procedures, but. <laughs> As we've seen in a lot of um, events, specifically in this past year, I feel like um, the importance of regulation is even more blatant and obvious. And uh, so having something like this, which lets the little people talk to important policymakers, I feel like is fairly important. Yeah, well, you know, it's like that. It's like that old expression, though. There's two things that you should never see being made: laws and sausages. And it is, it you is incredible. Both. Well, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes it's right? sausage laws. Um, yeah. But it is very yeah, sausage laws. But it is very, it is very much Robert's rules and parliamentary procedure. And you you have to kind of. You always want the science – I always want the science to win out, and sometimes the science doesn't win out, and sometimes it's just – and you, so it is a little bit of letting yourself getting get ground down by the bureaucracy, but but it's okay. It's still fun, and it's just like you know, it's all in the game, and we're just going to – we're just going to keep trying to make things better and, you know, and, and, but it's, uh, yeah, it is, it is, it can be, it can grind you down. But anyway, Ben, you were, you're on the way to a, to a topic. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, right. I, no, no, I, you're, I, you're it's, it's perfect. Um, so that we, 
every every two years this group gets together and Don and I over the last decade or so have played different roles and and it really is like a, it's it's like Don says it is a game like so much of it is getting the right people to talk about this change at the right time and support things and and it's it, I find that really like fascinating and different than what we normally do but at the the last time uh, I think it was the last time that we were all together to do this because it, it was supposed to occur in April last year. Um, but in 2018, there was there was like right at the end of, you know, you, we might see uh, 40 or so rule changes to this food code, proposed rule changes. And the last one of the last two or three things on the list was robots. And and it was an entire <laughs> issue. Which, which is also like, you know, coming back to my robot curious lifestyle now, um, I, I, I never really thought about this idea of automated <clears throat> robot making food stands or kiosks that exist with nobody there. And, and you know, I, I just walk up and, and I want to <clears throat> make a, you know, I want a, a hot, fresh pizza and, and a robot makes it for me and then it spits it out. And, and the, the idea was, how are we going to regulate this? And and so someone had put together this issue to, to essentially exempt that kiosk from having someone um, have uh, training who has to be there, which is one of our kind of standard rules. If you're making food and you're selling it to the public, you've got to have someone there who is trained in how to make food food safe. And and the point mm-hmm. of the submission was, well, it's a robot and and we can't have someone there. It kind of defeats the purpose because it's a robot making your food. Um, but but it's I, I we Don and I are, are always uh, referring to robots, uh, which is how robot was was pronounced uh, multiple times in in the. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it, so it's funny. So the way the way the. The way the conference works is we have all these issues, and there's always a submitter who speaks to the issue, right? And 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 the the submitter in this case was a he's a he's a consultant, I think, and so the company that there or the person behind the rule change was not him, but he was sort of their hired gun to do it. And yeah, and he kept kept saying instead of saying robot, he kept saying robot, and so <laughs> now it's just a thing. Robot, robot. Ben, robot, ben robot. and I talk about food robots, but but again, just as an example. <clears throat> of the way this conference works. So this was issue uh, 2016-1-106. Now, <laughs> now this is in Council 1, <clears throat> but it actually got booted to Council 3, which is the Science and Technology Council, which is where Ben and I sit. And so there's a whole thing with, with what issue gets assigned to what council. Um, but the, but the, the wonderful thing about this is so the, the council can accept the issue, they can amend the issue, or they can take no action. And in this case, they took no action based on the 2013 FDA Food Code Section 8-103 adequately addresses the variance process. And so we went through this big, long digression and lots of this this gentleman talking about robots and and in the end our official decision was we're not going to do anything <laughs> well now you need to now i need to know what was in that article like what was the explanation for why they didn't have to do it was it because they assumed that robots could not I, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so, so we need to look up food code section eight one hundred three to have I, the answer, which is not something that I, I routinely. I think, oh, you don't I have it I memorized. <laughs> I am so disappointed right now. I came on this show to speak for some reason to people that talk about food safety, and you don't have 
all of the codes like memorized in your head? What are you doing all day? Kathy, if you, if you want to talk about if you want to talk about the temperature of the water used for hand washing, I am down. I am Ooh, there. Yes. I've got the science, okay? <laughs> but on this particular issue, I'm just not up to speed on robots. Actually, Kathy, seeing as you're part of a podcast that's that's name is Roboism, I would have thought that you this would have been on your radar. Why are we telling you about this? <laughs> yeah. Because I had no idea that there was even a conference for food protection. <laughs> So, I, but it, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying is that we need to have both of you on Roboism, so <laughs> you'll have time to research and realize and understand the codes that you're citing, and well, then we could talk about it. And, and, fair I mean, enough. Fair in, enough. The, in the true like sense of you know, two white guys talking to each other on a podcast, you guys just gave me Look enough time stuff to, up on the internet. Yeah, you just gave me st- time to Google it, and I found eight dash one zero three dash one zero. Um, which is uh, modifications and waivers. So the regulatory authority may grant a variance by modifying or waiving the requirements of this code if, in the opinion of the regulatory authority, a health hazard or nuance or nuance nuisance will not result from the variance. Uh, so, so we, I, I, I actually remember. So, in other words, if you if you didn't want a per, if you if the code says someone has to be there, and you think because you have a robot. A person doesn't have to be there. All you have to do is go to the health authority and say, "Look, a, a person doesn't have to be here because robot, right? right? And, right. and they'll they'll either accept or deny that variant." Yes. Yeah. And and, okay. and it's all it's all in the like craziness of this game, which is, should we change the entire federal rule to allow for robots, or? Should we just make it up to your local county to see if they're okay with robots? And we uh, decided as a committee, uh, let's, let's punt this to the local county. They can they can figure out the robots. Uh, I mean, to be fair, that makes sense, though, because uh, the robot could have such a wide range of purpose that trying to regulate – I feel like trying to regulate each individual style of robot, like <laughs> if, if the robot – I is love, I, I love I, that you're calling it a robot. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> we'll see how uh, recording on Tuesday goes. Um, <laughs> but like, if they have, say, a robot that is in charge of dispensing tuna-like product, but someone has to reload that, I, I don't know. I, I can see a wide. Uh, I can see a reasoning why this is a better option is to like mm, you need to prove to us that this is okay as opposed to trying to make a wide sweeping ruling that determines what types of robots you can have prepare food yeah i mean i think you that that, that was exactly the conversation that we had was was how do we how do we find like how do we write the rule to encompass all robots we should really yeah. be looking at this as, as a like case by case basis and and we don't want to miss something that in two years someone comes up with a with an eggs Benedict robot, and and we were only we only had mm-hmm. tuna and, and pizza robots in in mind. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean that's I mean that's exactly it. It so so but but every like every time Don and I talk about robots. It's always robot. <laughs> it is 100% robot. And, and it's like a little wink and a nod to this dark room where we're all sitting in this conference where, uh, where this you know, lovely presenter um, said, said robot 36 times. And, and we just you know, group texted each other about, about the pronunciation. 
<laughs> I love that. That's, I love that so much. Yeah, that's the oh, and just, that's our just world. again to, to 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 close this loop. I will read to you from the actual issue as submitted. Okay, Ooh. and so because the way this works is some people propose changes to the code, and so what the proposed change to the code that was rejected for the various reasons we discussed. <clears throat> Uh, the, the the proposal was that the conference recommend that a letter be sent to FDA requesting that the 2013 food code be amended to include a definition in section 1-201.10 of the FDA food code for establishments with robotic operations. And two, the conference further recommends that a committee be formed to A, establish reasonable criteria and guidance for the new and emerging field of robotic food service operations, and B, report back with their findings and recommendations to the tw- the 2018 biennial meeting. So it would have been an opportunity to make to a committee, which honestly I was I was ready to sign up for. <laughs> You're like me me me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and if we do go back to this, if this ever comes up again cuz the the conference for food protection is running sometime later this year, I think it's in August. If robots come up, I think we 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 suggest a committee and and we we invite Kathy and Alex as as robot uh, yes. robot experts robo roboism Ex- experts yeah yeah I was I was gonna say please don't put robots and experts in any sort of description we're just fans as robot fans robot fans yes robot, robot fans and, there we go and, and honestly you're probably both fans I don't know about Alex but you're I mean you're fans of food right I mean you guys you guys talked a little bit about about food on the on the last episode so yeah I really enjoy eating it <laughs> but not making it see nope. you need a food robot. I I do need a, especially an eggs Benedict food group. I know. Oh my goodness, that would be so exciting. I would love that. <laughs> oh man. Well, and I think I. I mean, I. I know Alex. Alex eats. I mean, I've. I've listened to podcasts. <laughs> well, sometimes she eats yes, things that are do. not food. Yes, they do eat. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think Alex eats. Uh, I think bland food. It would be uh, a way that it's been described. Alex. Alex sometimes eats paper. I've I've heard I've <laughs> yes. heard it on the podcast. <laughs> it's true. Oh, we love Alex. We we really do love yeah. Alex. Uh, yeah, we well, do. Well, I'm really I'm excited. I I have uh, I I had never ceased downloading Roboism, but I'm really excited to to now listen to Roboism. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. Really, that's all that matters in the end. We don't have a lot of, you know, analytics in regards to podcasting. And so really, downloads and subscriptions are the main tracking. And so as long as you download, I personally don't really care if you listen or not. I would appreciate anyone that does listen and, you know, communicates and feedbacks in Twitters and the things. But really, just keep those numbers going. Yeah. Exactly. We we have many. We know that there are many listeners to this show who have who reached out to us and told us that um, they download but don't listen because it's too long, um, or they download and with all intentions of listening but but don't. And that's totally cool. I'm yeah. I'm I'm with you, Kathy. I'm like do do you do you do you subscribe? Yeah. Do all your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so the other the other podcast I do is called Friends in Your Ears, where I talk to two podcasters about their history of podcasting and their favorite podcasts, which means I am overwhelmed with podcast suggestions. Uh, I come out of a recording usually with a new subscription every time. Thankfully it's only, you know, a fortnightly show, but still it's a lot of podcasts. I pretty much only listen to 
two podcasts a week. So I really yeah. don't. I don't listen to a lot, but I enjoy the fact that if I want to listen to someone talk about food or if there's a like I'll usually look at the title and sometimes I'll look at like the description and see if, oh, if is this something that I want to listen to? Because a lot of times these friends in my ears are people that have opinions that I care about. Or are voices that I like and want to hang out with on my own time. And so being able to say, oh, good. Uh, the Food Safety Boys are going to talk about, you know, the Conference for Food Protection. <laughs> and um, I, I got to move that up my queue. <laughs> right. I've got, it's my annual Conference for Food Protection update on yep. robots. Yeah, my annual because, you know, it's, it's every two years. I get right. it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what I'm saying is I will now be listening to at least one episode every two years of yours. <laughs> Perfect. Good. You're welcome. <laughs> well, what about, what about if, if, we, if we prominently feature robots, right, Ooh, in the, in the see, title of go. the episode? See, that's then, another way to Then I have it, to I listen think. to it for research. So, like, then it's work-related. Then it gets, like, added – to my queue. So, and like, I listened can... to your most recent episode because from when you invited me on last night <laughs> to this morning, <laughs> I was like, well, crap, I got to listen to something. <laughs> what is this all about? Yeah, right, yeah. right. Have we done Have we done a robot, a robot risky or not? Because I think that might be something I'm going to need to add to the list here. Oh, I, I yeah, I think I think so. And and unfortunately, I think it, the answer is it's complicated and it depends. Oh no no, that's what. It's a different. Oh. You're not allowed to do that on that show. That's a different. <laughs> I'm going. It's, it's being added right now. Yes, can't <laughs> wait to listen. Well, what uh, what else uh, what else is going on? Well, so so when when so when Ka when I invited Kathy last night before she'd had a chance to listen to the show, um, she um, she said, "Well, you know, I could talk. I there, I don't know what I would have to talk about." And I'm like, "Oh, believe me, we have plenty to talk about because um, <laughs> we can come back to the, the the cat the cat poop and the and the robot vacuum." But but she also said, you know, she she's very interested in what's going on. So I I would also explain Ben that Kathy is a West coaster. So she got, you had to get up and be ready by 10. She had to get up and be ready by seven. Oh, so, um, she's dedicated. <laughs> um, but, but also one of the things that's going on on the West coast that you and I have talked about a little bit on Twitter is what's going on with the grocery store, Fred Meyer and their trash. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, yes. and so Kathy offered, uh, had offered up her wa wanting to give her perspective on that. So I think I, Kathy, if you would like, I would love to talk about that. Yeah, I would, I would love to. So, I mean, obviously, you both know more about so many pieces of this. Um, but in our community, or in my state specifically, where Fred Meyer, it's a subsidiary or whatever of Kroger. But Fred Meyer was a local grocery store chain that was started by, guess what his name was? <laughs> Freddie, Freddie M. <laughs> yep, yep, you got it. But uh, it's been such a, a deep part of the community that it's hard to remember that Fred is a real first name that lots of people use. Like it just doesn't <laughs> doesn't work in my brain that Fred Meyer was a person a lot of times. Oh yeah, but no, I totally the, get that. Yeah, yeah, but the whole idea of the grocery store chain when he started it was, you know, community interaction and supporting the local community. And they've managed until now to really like concentrate and the community felt like, oh, 
this is a s- company that cares about locals and cares about, you know, the local community. And um, I think what we've seen with this whole dumpster thing is that mm, that's not really the truth anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've now changed where I shop. So Whoa. like, Whoa. I just, I have, I have a very, very hard time with people that don't think people deserve to eat mm-hmm. and uh, food should be available to anyone that needs it. And the fact that there's this food items that were thrown away because they couldn't be sold anymore, but were still edible and were just then guarded by armed guards really like hits a, you know, Star Wars bad side of my soul. Yeah. This, so this is a, a really, um, it's really like a, a good food safety talk issue for us. And, and Don and I have, I think we straddle this, this line often in food safety of food insecurity, food waste and food safety. And, and I actually, I talked to, um, I talked to a graduate student at Ohio state university, um, this week, she's a, a student of, of one of our colleagues, um, uh, Barb Kowalchuk, who's a professor at Ohio State, and she's a foodborne epidemiologist. Um, but this, this student, um, she's really interested in investigating food pantries and reclaiming food. And, and I, I had this really like just a really great conversation with her. I, I had a, um, a PhD student a couple of years ago um, who, who also was really interested in this, in this intersection. And it wasn't until that student, her, my student's name was, was Ashley or is Ashley Chaffetz. Wasn't until I was, uh, advising her that I really started reading about this intersection and seeing it more as an intersection and less about sort of silos. Cause I think in the food safety and food microbiology world, we're, you know, it, it's way it's way easier to look at food that's in a dumpster and say, well, it's unsafe, so people shouldn't eat it, right? Like that's a super mm-hmm. simple, easy way. Well, yep. we don't know anything yep. about it. Don't eat it. And and I I really I, I I got I got much more interested. And Ashley was she was researching not not so much reclaimed food from from dumpsters, but she was researching food pantries and food banks and the system that we that we use to get food to, um, to, you know, food, uh, food insecure populations. And, and we, we really got into a lot of like conversations about policy around that and, and that there wasn't, there's no real, um, at, at that time, there wasn't really a champion organization to pull all those things together. Right. Like, mm. like, like food banks, like, yeah, yeah. Food safety is, is important, but, but it's not something that we're really focused on. The food safety world's kind of over here saying, don't eat food. That's that, you know, that, that's unsafe. And, and I would throw like the Fred Meyer conversation, dumpster diving, um, into, uh, the same world as roadkill, um, and harvesting mm. food that's inside of the road and, and the same, the same world as, um, uh, Do, just donations and food sharing, 
um, in a in a no not no but uh, a, a lightly infrastructured world like like and not yeah. not the, and and I to me this area is is exactly where where Don and I should be and and folks like us but I I mean you know we we I think we often buck up against just concern and not really wanting to put the time and effort to to better answer the question of like some of these foods are are certainly still safe and some of these foods might be spoiled but who are we to put our value system on someone who doesn't have food to say you shouldn't eat the spoiled food and so this right. it really hits a um i don't know like an important uh it hits me it hits me in it, emotionally on on this stuff so yeah i mean i when i saw this i was like we we definitely have to have to talk about it yeah and you know it's it's interesting i thanks for the link to the the eater.com article ben cuz it's interesting but it's also you know and and i and i you know i mean i try we we try on this podcast to look at to do do our best to look at things from both sides, and I think Ben did a pretty good job of explaining why, mm-hmm. from a purely food safety, very risk averse perspective, yes, that they did the right. Well, I don't want to say they did the right thing. Um, certainly, not wanting people to eat food that you've thrown out because it's right. unsafe is, is a good uh, gesture, right? But if you but if police get involved, and again, and, and you know, so anyway, there's there's some good there's some good stuff here in this Eater article. Um, so, for example. Um, the I love this. So, so someone named Morgan McNiff, who operates uh, something called Team Raccoon, um, uh, they uh, they uh, says here uh, uh, McNiff said on Twitter that the t- the team, the Team Raccoon team, checked food temperatures and inspected items to evaluate whether it remained food safe, right? Uh, and saying that Fred Meyer employees didn't even check, right? And so that's mm. that's hugely uh, hugely helpful. Um, and then, but also it says, well, according to FEMA, food in freezers during an outage would remain safe for forty eight hours. Food and refrigerators would last closer to four. That's not exactly true, yeah. right? What the food code says is that if you if you if you put if you take foods out of temperature control, um, you need to use them within four hours or discard, which is not quite the same thing. And then the other thing too, and Ben and I discussed this recently on an episode of, of Risky or Not that has yet to come out. There is, again, and Kathy, we're bringing it right back to the Conference for Food Protection uh, because we <laughs> love them, okay? They have uh, the Emergency Action Plan for Retail Food Establishments Second Edition, which is a guidance document uh, that was written in part in response to power outages here in the Northeast with Superstorm Sandy and coming up with helping these establishments navigate um, navigate this issue. And, and in, in particular, and I only remember, I don't, and again, I'm not, I, I guess I could try to impress you and say, and on page <laughs> 17 of that document, there is a, a diagram. I only know it's page 17 because Ben and I were discussing it the other day, but on page 17 of 60 of that document, there is a really nice, uh, temperature time, um, maximum temperature chart, uh, that's actually based on science. Um, and I, I know this because, because I was the guy that did the science, right? The, the, the math, <laughs> Mathematical right. calculations of the growth of the microorganisms to basically he- tell people, hey, look, um, if it's if it's uh, if it's 
still below 45 degrees up to 15 hours, it's okay. If it's, if it's, uh, if it's as up to 50 degrees and it's up to nine hours, it's okay. Right. And so, so again, if Fred Meyer employees wanted to do this the right way, they could have done it, right? I mean, it would, it would have taken more effort than throwing it yeah. in a dumpster and calling the cops, right? But 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 often that's the way with science, right? If you if you really want to get into the nuances and you really want to try to do things right, sometimes it's complicated. Well, and and I, as I look through these pictures, um, we'll link to a tweet in, in show notes um, that, uh, and I just lost who the tweet is from, um, from, uh, Dr. Juni- Juniper L. Simonos, uh, Simonos, 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 uh, the Simonis. professor. Yes. Um, sibilance, sibilance, sibilance. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, Rubits, <laughs> Rubits. Uh, there, there are, I, I mean, you, you see this dumpster full of, of lots of different types of food. And it looks like there's multiple dumpsters and there's certain things that, I mean, we talk about on this show and, and on, on our, on risky or not, like I, I see Chobani yogurt, right? Well, to my note, why are we throwing this out? It's not going to go. It's, it's spoiled. It, it, it's spoiled already. It's yeah, spoiled milk. Exactly. <laughs> and I see all yeah. these hard Gouda cheeses. I see there's oh. like, there's condiments, there's, um, you know, uh, uh, country crock. Like, I mean, there's just a bunch of stuff in here that, that even a conservative discerning eye for food safety would say, you know what, these things, we're in a special situation. These things as a manager, I can throw, I can put these over here. And, but, and then there's, uh, you know, other things like, um, the, you know, all the raw meats, but, but you know, it's, it, some of that raw meat, if, if I, I, I'm, it, the more that I look at this, the more that I'm kind of annoyed that there wasn't someone there to help them make a better decision on yeah. how do I get this to people? Not, throw, you know, put it out here. And then once people started showing up, like, okay, we really need to figure out how to do this. Not let's call the police. And right. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and also, Ben, I'm looking at these pictures. There's snow on the ground. I've got to imagine it's kind of cold outside. It was so. <laughs> that was that was going to be my point. It was yeah. like you were saying about how you know after nine hours at 50 degrees, it would probably be okay. Or, or sorry to quote uh, whatever words. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have the chart memorized. I'll try and do better next time. Um, it was definitely not over 50 degrees. It right. was like maybe mid light forties depending on which is refrigerator temperature. Right. Like, and, and the idea in my mind, granted, I am not a lawyer. I am not a microbiologist. I'm not, you know, I'm just some random person who reads things. Um, but check with your lawyers and say, Hey, if we put a sign that says, by taking something out of our dumpster, you hereby relinquish any right to sue Fred Meyer for getting food poisoning or something like that. And then, boom, let it go. Like, let people eat the food instead of throwing it away. Right, right. And 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 I I, I see in the in the Eater article um, that they say, uh, you know, according to the, the Oregonian, uh, Fred Meyer employees did reach out to food pantries to try to donate the food before four hours had elapsed. Said the roads were too icy for pantries to actually access the store for pickup. It, it that that four hours part in this situation isn't really necessary for so many of those foods. 
and you got all this snow outside. You can keep it cold. It's like, you know, and I, I, I don't want to, I, I, I want to step back and, and also recognize that the, you know, our, our colleagues in the grocery store world and especially frontline workers are overly stressed due to yes. pandemic stuff. Right. So it's, it's hard to like kind of push and say, you should have done you should have done better because there's so many other competing things that are happening on just being exposed to COVID and making seven dollars an hour. And, and and so I yeah, I I, I I see all of that. But I think that this is it, it's a it's a more it, it highlights the problem about trying to set thresholds that are absolutes in the food safety world that it's like, well, we tried our best in those four hours. We couldn't do it. So we threw it out. And, 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 you know, like you said, Kathy, I think at that point saying people are here, if I was donating it through the pantries or I am donating it directly to them in our parking lot right now, there's no difference. So go ahead and take it kind of, kind of situation. Um, and it's, so I, I, I haven't, I don't think Don and I have talked about this, but one, this this is not a unique situation and it's not something that we've been mm-hmm. like, it's, it's brand new to us, uh, in the, in the food safety world. So I've been, I've actually been asked, um, to help write some standard operating procedures for grocery stores, for restaurants on donating reclaimed food here in, in my state, because there isn't like, there's, there's some best practices that float around out there, but there's nothing that, that kind of, So's all right, everything together from you're going to take it off the shelf or you're done at the end of the night at, you know, restaurant X. Here's how you should store that food. Here's the best way to donate it. Here's how you connect with food pantries and, and food banks to get it to people um, that that is fully accepted by our local health departments who are often the ones also are tasked with, you know, getting a call from you know, Fred Meyer, not, not Fred, the guy, but Fred, the store um, <laughs> and, and saying, Hey, we have all this food. What do we do with it? And, and like, I, I don't think we've, I think because these areas of disparity and safety and waste have been so segregated from each other for so long, mm-hmm. no one's really ready to handle that. Right. And the easy answer is call the police. Don't let people take it out of your dumpsters, which, right. which is terrible. Like it's it, not yeah. absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And, and I, you know, there, there's reference in, um, into this, uh, in this eater article to the bill Emerson, good Samaritan food donation act, which is a federal act that protects people. Like you said, Kathy, from even like liability, if the, as long as they're not being negligent, um, to, for donating food. I mean, we, we even have like a framework for it, but I, I think, that that from and you know one of our listeners will probably correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I I don't think that that act has ever been tested. Like like I think we mm-hmm. we look at it, but I I still think that um, that grocery stores you know talking in the in the nerdy food safety rooms about this stuff, I think that there's still some um, concern that 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 they are actually protected by that act because no one's ever gone to court for it, you know, for right. it, which is also a ter- like, I mean, it's a, they, our, our system's such a mess and infrastructure, you know, the, the, these situations just highlight so many, so many problems that we have. <laughs> yeah. So many problems that I, I feel like coming at problems like this with 
empathy and care for people not profit, I think would be a change towards the good. But the people aren't the ones that, you know, lobby and are responsible for a white. I don't I don't want to get in trouble here, but like my socialist heart is coming out. Mm -hmm. If by socialist, I mean, I think everyone deserves the right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And in my mind, that includes food and shelter. And so sorry for that statement, putting it, you know, getting this out here. (laughs) Life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. That sounds like a Republican thing. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're you're Uh, certainly not going to get in trouble for that statement here on this show. So yeah. Well, and and that's like, you know, the 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 really bad look here that that you you could see in the in the comments in the Twitter thread and and in the um in in the social media comments on this are this is just a bad look because like for lots of reasons right like but but one is it it opens the door for someone to say you just didn't want people to have this food because your grocery store is literally forty yards over there. And you want them to go in and buy this food. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, whether whether that is any part of this at all, and my guess is it's it's not, it really doesn't matter, right? Like it's yeah. that it, it just it, it it opens the door for that for that conversation. And and it and you know, it it makes me it just makes me think that we need like we really need to 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 tackle this to make it okay to do this. But the just and you know, Don and I um, we, we exist in, in this academic world that, um, research and programs need to be, you know, need to be developed to, to handle this, right. To, to fix this. And it, that all starts with having researchers and outreach people who are, you know, first interested in this. And I think that there, there are folks that, that are, but I, but I don't think that there's funding agencies that are interested mm-hmm. in in fixing the like doing the science behind fixing this as, as much as, as as I think that they should be and that's that that's always you know that that's always a a problem we do, we do a lot of work in home food preservation and there's no there's no like money in trying to to come up with better technologies for home food preservation and and it's you know the cynical eye looks at that is like well of course there isn't because we want people to buy food and it's yeah. it's probably not as sinister as that, but but there certainly is um, there, there certainly is a, a world of lobbying for resources to go to food safety problems that affect economics, right? Like right. it's it's not about you know, it, and there's a, it's a weird it's a weird line between those, and this is one that I think is it's out there. I mean, I've been we, my my group's been looking at this kind of stuff for you know ten years probably, and there's never been a call for funds on how do you how do you fix the food waste disparity, food safety issue, and donations. But but I have to say though, in defense of the system, um, or at least in defense of like the world as I see it, we are talking. We're we're, we're we're certainly doing a lot of talking about food waste, right? Which is bad if we're not taking action about food waste. But sometimes you need to have a certain amount of talking before the action happens, right? I mean, this. And I was looking. I'm looking up this uh, uh, Bill Emerson uh, Good Samaritan Food Donation Act. Clinton signed that in 1996, right? Um, but 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 this but. This, so, which is boggles my mind that that's been around that long. But I think that there are 
like I said, I keep hearing, I hear more and more about food waste and it's a topic that comes up more and more on this podcast and in other contexts as well. And so I've got to think eventually if we keep talking about it, eventually it's going to get solved. Although that is, that is a little bit of a kind of an academic perspective. Well, it's like, let's keep talking about this a little longer. And, and I have to admit in, in academic circles, I am biased towards action, but I'm concerned that my, my bias towards action is calibrated to academic <laughs> right, right. Which is which let's is way on the let's science. talk about. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, yes. Let's let's talk about what the science would look like and let's <laughs> think about carefully how we might begin to plan how we might eventually do an experiment. And it's like, no, just get in the lab and flail around for a little bit and then you'll figure out what to do, you know? Uh yeah. anyway. <laughs> well, and but but that like that does take resources, right? Like it's Oh, it's, for sure. It takes it takes space in uh in a, in a research or, or extension outreach program to be able to, to start it to then say, hey, there's something here and we need to, here are the, here are the 15 or 22 research questions that we need answered. And someone's got to, there's got to be champions out there for that. And, and they're, I, I don't know, I'm, again, I'll be cynical on this. I don't think that there have, there really are yet, right? Like, yeah. I, I, and 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 we I'll, I I will put a a, a big shout out to a, a grocery store chain here um, in in North Carolina or at least in, in the southeast um, Food Lion which their parent company I think is Ahold Del Hayes which is a really big grocery store conglomerate which I think the largest in the world they they every time that we have some sort of a meeting on food waste and food disparity they've they've got like it's part of their corporate. Um, social strategy or whatever, you know, whatever to, to make sure that they are putting resources into it. They, they've um, like, I think they built our local um, uh, central and Eastern North Carolina food bank building that, so, so they do, they, they have put a lot of, um, uh, I guess, infrastructure building into it. They create, create networks around this. I don't know where they stand on, on this kind of thing on sort of, okay, we've got food that, that we're, that we haven't diverted, um, to, to food banks, but they, they've really, I, I, I think again, like, like Don said, talked a pretty good game. Um, and that they're at, they're always at the table talking about this stuff, which is really, you know, which is really great. Well, but, and, and yeah. in, in terms of people that are doing stuff too, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, refed.com, uh, which or refed, R-E-F-E-D at refed.com. And this is a, a group that is basically dedicated to solving the food waste problem. And that's, and that's food waste, you know, writ large, you know, whether it's, um, you know, uh, ugly vegetables or, or, or what have you. Right. And they are, uh, again, and it's, it's maybe it's more talking and not as much doing, but they are funded by General Mills and Kroger Corporation and Walmart and, and, and some others. And so, you know, at least to the extent of spending some money, and again, I don't know how much, how much the funding is, but, but I mean, at least it's something right. And we're, we're, we're starting to talk about this, which is, uh, which is good. So, uh, Oh, Hellman's best foods. Yeah. I'm just looking at the whole, the whole funder list. So there are, there are some some folks that are that are putting money against this, uh, you know, with uh, well, who knows what effectiveness, but but at least uh, again, like I said, we're talking about it. People have made actual websites about this. There's, yeah, <laughs> yeah getting the pretty soon we're going to solve this problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully before before too many more people have starved to death. Yeah, right. Oh, what In a the, downer. Yeah. One of the richest. I'm sorry. Yes, you know, no, I'm, no, I, I may be a sparkly no. unicorn, but yeah. No, no, you're hundred. You're hundred percent right. Hundred percent right. <laughs> yeah, and and it's. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of these things where I, I see 
you know, in, in our food microbiology world, there is, there's a lot of support to solve uh, E. coli 157H7 in romaine lettuce, right? Like we've had three massive outbreaks that have really damaged economically the, the industry. There's the public health concern is, is huge. So there's a lot of money that goes into this from, from the you know, pressure from the, from the industry side to federal funding agencies. I, I, I don't see that same pressure on how do we how do we take care of this issue on disparity waste and, and food safety and, and yeah that, that's the like I don't know that that's my soapbox on on this one and well and, and yeah and to the to the to this the socialist angle it's because there's what's the incentive for capitalism to solve that totally. right there there isn't yeah, there's right? nothing yep. yeah there's no no reason to try and feed people that can't pay right, right. yeah because that's how that's how the system is designed yeah <laughs> right right <laughs> well I I had um. I've got a colleague at um, RTI, which is this um, like international consulting group. Um, they're here in North Carolina. Um, her name's uh, Andrea Anader, and Andrea brought me kind of into this world, like you know, a decade ago, talking about coping mechanisms for food disparity, and and so she does research on on that, and and it was just like she she's. Traveled all throughout the U.S., um, can, you know, serving uh, uh, people, uh, conducting interviews, focus groups, um, like going and seeing how people deal with we we don't have food, and from a nutrition standpoint, from a food preparation standpoint, and just hearing her talk about her experiences, where you know someone, and I'll I'll totally paraphrase it and probably butcher the this whole thing, but what I remember from from her presentation is like people basically making trade offs on well I know that Whole Foods dumpsters on Tuesdays aren't great because of whatever right like we know that the the cycle of of when we get the right good food out of it so so Tuesdays are the day that I'm gonna go to like you know rural Georgia and look for raccoons that are on the side of the road and it's like man just like that that's a whole it, it, it it's certainly something that that I've I've never had experience with uh in in my life I've been super fortunate to, you know, to, to always have food, but, but to think about those, like, think about it in a very structured way. Like, okay, this, I, I know, I know the best way for me to get food today, which is not, you know, not here, but, but over here. Um, and, and, and that, you know, that's a, that's a planning system, right? Like it's, it's just, it's just wild. Well, and the amount of effort and energy that's put into food, like my mind is it just hurts with the fact that somebody instead of being able to relax, being able to take a moment to spend time with family or friends, be able to grow a skill to hopefully get paid more, they're spending how many hours a week trying to make sure that they have food to eat? Right. Yeah, their their skill is knowing which day to go look for roadkill, right? Yeah. Versus the the dumpster. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I'll I'll give a shout out to 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 a friend and and colleague that we've talked about before, Deb Palmer, at, uh, who's a colleague of mine here at Rutgers, and and she brought me into this because she does a lot of you know work with these this disadvantaged communities and making sure they have enough food to eat. And it's like, no, they're they're gonna buy dented cans, Don. We need to tell them how badly dented the cans are and mm-hmm. still be safe. Right. And it's like, Whoa, wow. You know, that was real. That was a wake up for me. Yeah. And, 
and this is uh, uh, I, I, this will I'll express my frustration a, a, a little bit on on that, which is I think there's still only a handful of us in the food safety world. And it's not just Don and I, there's, there's, there's others out there who are willing to engage in that conversation, right? Like it's, it's just mm -hmm. easier for someone who, who works in the world of food microbiology that isn't interacting with just like real people on food decisions like this to be like, no, they just shouldn't eat food that's coming from a dented can, like full stop, go, go get food somewhere else. It's like, no, that's, that's not an that's option. That's not an option. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and and so, but it, it is, I don't know. It, I I wish I wish we would be able to to move that move that forward. And and the regulatory. I mean, just bringing it back to a conference for food protection. The the regulatory complication is okay. So it's exempt. Regulators are and the more that I have. Um, spent time with them over the last fifteen or twenty years around food. They're not just like hard asses because they're they're power tripping they they have they have pressure internally that if they make a decision that someone gets sick with that that reflects poorly on the entire system which for better or for right. worse right and so that that breeds be ultra conservative right don't mess up don't put us in the newspaper because we allowed something and something bad happened or someone thinks that something bad happened. And, right. and so I've really like, I, I don't know. I really feel for that too. This is, it's, it's a it's like, we, we all well, have to change. But, but there's, but there's the, but the way the consequences are perceived on both sides is different, right? If I, if I guard a dumpster, with police, then no one will get sick from food poisoning. Right. But people will be hungry. But but it's but the it's much easier to see someone who has food poisoning than to see someone who didn't have enough food to eat that day, right? right. I mean, so so how how do we? And this is you know this idea of, of risk and risk risk trade offs is something that comes up a lot on this show, and it's especially difficult where you're trading off, let's say, an acute risk versus a chronic risk, and and it's chronic risks are just a lot harder to to see and to measure. It's not an excuse for for not doing anything, but it. It just it just points out like in part I think why we have the problem. Yes, we um we also like the, the, there's a the pandemic highlighted this and and sort of pushes it to the forefront. But what where Don and I actually really got into COVID nineteen SARS CoV two food safety intersections all had to do with food banks and food pantries. Right, right. The, mm. Yeah, like the very first, um, the very first like technical thing that we got asked to do officially was there were this is back in probably like late February last year. There there were food banks in the Pacific Northwest that were refusing food from quote COVID areas because of the concern mm -hmm. for transmission through food. And, and so we, we like, we, we knew that that was, there was no evidence. There's not like the science doesn't match up, but, but there was even like even more food waste and disparity happening because the, the, I don't know, hesitancy within the, the, emergency food system to actually explore what the risk trade-off was. And, and so we, yeah. we like wrote this letter, 
um, and then got, I don't know, 40 or 50 scientists that work in this area to, to sign it that, and then put it through the food bank system to say, no, you stop, stop doing this. Like, don't, you, don't, you think, you think yeah. you're, you're protecting public health, but you're probably having a negligible effect on COVID and, and you're having a, a huge negative effect on, um, on people not having enough food to eat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just don't do that. Like do something <laughs> stop, else. Stop. Stop. Doing stop that. Now. Please yes. feed yeah. people. Yes. Please yeah. feed people. And, and yeah, please, please turn... worry about COVID, but don't worry about getting COVID from donated food. Right. Yeah. 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 And don't turn that food away. Like we can't, we don't have enough food already. <laughs> like, you know, the, in the, in the emergency food system, right? Like, I mean, I, yeah. we certainly have enough food in, 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 and there's, there's lots of documented extra waste that happens because of our, you know, so much food, but, but not getting to the, not getting, I mean, it's, it's like the Fred Meyer situation, just not getting to the people that need it. Yeah. Oh, well, we need to solve this. <laughs> now I'm, now I'm like. <laughs> I'm just, I'm ready. Let's get out there. Let's get oh, good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the hardest part is that so often quote unquote, little people like me, you know, I don't work in an industry that has any direct connection to this, but what I can do is I can amplify, um, smarter people than myself and, share their information. So like when that whole thing went out with, Oh, you better wipe down the food containers on the outside. When you get home, being able to share Dr. Don's Twitter thread, I, I had, I, I made a text expander snippet with that link (laughs) because I shared it so much. Same. Like it it just, it was, it was just like, look, here's somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Not your aunt Betty. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that read something from someone on Facebook. Like, let's get this information out here. Let's talk about it. Let's have the connection to where maybe somebody else can know what's going on and be able to work on changes and and make fix this major problem. And it starts with, you know, seeing the humans behind this, uh, seeing the people that are hungry. It's not always the drug addicts. Um, I was on food stamps for a period of time after my husband's stroke when I like was working multiple jobs and we were barely getting by. Thankfully, like I never had to go dumpster diving. I never had to, you know, do roadkill. And I was really privileged to have a really strong support system, but I know that not everyone has that. And having been touched by that, Im- that food insecurity in my life is just like, okay, people have it worse. What can I do now that I am not food insecure? What can I do myself to try and help feed people? I'm not Jeff Bezos. I don't have billions of dollars to where I could fairly fix this at a long term, but that's a whole other conversation that we're not having right now. Uh, but like, <laughs> what can I do as a human? And, and I think that's important for people to be able to recognize what you are able to do and not get too sad about what you can't do. Yeah. And, and yeah, and this, and this reminds me too about my, my colleague, Deb Palmer, like, you know, she's a professor at a university, but yeah, she was on food stamps at one point. And so when she tells you something about what those people are feeling, and what it's like to be like that, you're like, oh wow, yeah, I get it. Jeez, yeah. I yeah, thank you for that. So yeah, yeah, I, I have a. There's someone in my group who who also grew up really food insecure, and and she 
is this voice of reason every time we try to put something out like and it's and it's happening right now with you know with you know, what what started the Fred Meyer situation was snowstorms and winter weather and power outages and and moving you know moving mm -hmm. food out but we it, it's it, she she keeps our group in check by saying don't make don't we we need to tell people what will and won't make them sick not will and won't taste good or taste bad because right. that's you know that's up that's really up to to those individuals and it and we we need to be clear on that like let's not even mince those words because we we don't want to make a we don't want to make a decision where or or provide information that someone makes a decision that they didn't have to make that isn't going to further lead to this food disparity like even just communicating right. it to their in, in in their home and and having that voice is very, it's real. I don't know. It's really important. Like in, 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 in my group, like to, to have that, that someone who's, who's actually experienced this and, and can, can really highlight like, no, no, someone like my, my family would, we, we will, we tried to do everything we could to keep food as long as we could. And we needed the information about whether it was going to make us sick or not, because we also didn't have health insurance, not whether right. it was going to spoil. Yeah. Well, and it's imp it it goes to show how important it is to have so many different voices because if you don't know, you don't know. And if you never not saying that you have to experience something to understand it, but being able to talk to people that have actually under like know what's going on or have experienced something and being able to have their feedback and interaction to understand, hey, let me talk to somebody who's homeless. Let's find out why they're homeless, how we can fix it. A lot of times it's not just drugs. It's, you know, they lost their job and they don't have a house and they can't, because they don't have a home, they can't get an ID. They can't apply for a job. Like they don't have a permanent address. There's all of these little things that you don't know until you know. And having somebody that has experienced it or is related to somebody or knows somebody that has experienced it and is able to put words into the information is really, really vital in so many different areas in the world. Yeah. Just, just being able to, to listen to those experiences and, and frame what we're doing by not, not having a preconceived notion about why, you know, mm, first of yes. all, what the situation is and, and then why someone's in that situation. And that's, it's so, it's so funny. Like this is really analogous to, to what, what I do in, in my research world. Like, like so much of what my group focuses on is, is understanding how people actually handle food, whether that's like someone who's harvesting food on a farm or a farmer's market vendor or someone in a food pantry or someone in their home or a restaurant, but not like what is our preconceived notion about what they're doing. And then let's sort of adjust our, our risk management decisions around that, but actually trying to figure that out. Like what, is it and and you can't like so much of it is is observing and listening and and trying to create that picture with ex with people that have had the experience but it's i mean i've learned through that just through those like that approach to food safety it it hel it's helped me in so many other like social 
justice areas. Like, like I, I think back to this this last summer um, around systemic racism. My, my, you know, it's it's an it's an awkward conversation. It's an awkward thing. Like it, it's 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 uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But uh, just being like, hey, I understand how to know to sit back and see how people handle food. I really need to to really do the same thing here. Like I I, I need to, to. Yeah. It's okay to be awkward. It's okay. And it, and hunger is the same the same thing. But but really, like I, Kathy, you, I think you nailed it. It's like not being able to recognize what you don't know and that that other people have that experience. And we need you know being able to. To, to listen and sit back and yeah. inform. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, and my, my experience with this, which is not necessarily food related, but it's COVID related. And I, I can't, I won't f- f- try to look for the tweet right now, but at some point, m- middle of the summer or so, um, I, I shared some real wackadoo tweet about how you, because it was so, like, was so on its face. It was just so ludicrous that any scientist looking at it would know that it was complete nonsense. And it was something about how eating low pH foods or foods that were a certain color could prevent COVID, right? And it was just – it was so ludicrous. And I shared it as a joke. And later, um, a fr- I don't know, friend of the show, but but a fr- friend of a friend of the show, Susan Roderick, uh, called me out on Twitter and said, "Why did you? Why did you share that? I thought you. Were, I thought this was real. I told I told this to my my elderly mother, and I'm like, oh crap! Uh, you know what? Yeah. I yeah. I I just assumed I was talking to my scientist people. I didn't think anybody would think this was real. And I it has really, it has really. I, I really think very carefully. Or if I'm going to share something wackadoo like that, I'll, 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 I'm going to play it straight. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like just retweet it ironically. I'm going to retweet it and say, "Look, this is bullshit, right? Don't, yes. don't, don't pay." But and but until um, until she had like called me out. I was, I would, I just thought I was being funny. You're like, no, you're, you're actually, you're not helping people. Don. Right, Stop right. doing, <laughs> Stop doing that. Don't do that. Do this other thing. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I trusted you, Don. And you let yeah. me astray. Yeah. 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 You ruined was, it. I think she might've literally said those words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I don't know, I guess I, as I get, I, uh, I, I, as I mature, I guess, I don't know, as I, as I, as I try to learn and read more, more things, either socially or, or in the science world, I really, I, I really feel like every day I have an open mind of changing my mind or looking at it differently or, or yeah. try, you know, like I don't have any of this stuff figured out. Um, whether that's like the best way to change food safety practices or policies or social issues. It's like, I, I, I just want to be, I want to be open to, to hearing more and understanding more about what it's, what, what people are really dealing with. And, 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 you know, also knowing I'm not really dealing with anything. So my, my perspective is very <laughs> like nothing, right? Like, I mean, I, I, I live a, a, a very charmed existence. Um, so yeah, this is great. We should do more of this. <laughs> <laughs> you should come on more. This is, yeah. Uh- <laughs> Well, I am I, more than happy to come anytime you want to talk. Well, and thank to you, me. and thank you so much. I was, you know, I don't in 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 my in my defense. No, I don't know. In my, I I was I was having a good time last night. I was enjoying the documentary. I had had some wine. I was on Clubhouse, and I was like, "Yeah, you should come on our podcast." And and, uh, and I woke up this morning, and I'm like, 
Oh, crap. that wasn't too weird, but uh, boy, this was this was this was great. This was oh, absolutely I'm fantastic. so glad because you know when the Doctor Don invites you to anything, you say yes. That's what I've learned. Hey, that's that's true. I I live that life every day. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been great. No, uh, and. For the record, too, I do want to state, like, I don't have any uh, qualms against the managers of Fred, the Fred Meyer that had to make this call, because I'm sure they called corporate, and corporate was like, mer, 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 mer. and this person that's making, you know, $13 an hour has to deal with all of this press and, and, and whatnot. A lot of times, people in the local, like, store that makes these types of decisions have as little power as, you know, the minimum wage worker, as the people documenting whatever's happening. So I just want to put that out there, but I still am changing my grocery store. <laughs> wow. Powerful, powerful. Yeah. Um, hey, so, so uh, Kathy, do you have time to stick with us for a little bit longer while we yeah. do some follow-up? I Absolutely. I am here and ready. <laughs> I've got my popcorn. Let's go. <laughs> So, so speaking, speaking of friends who help us, uh, so we have Ben and I, we have this other show, um, called risky or not. And the idea of that show is that we give a definitive answer as to whether something is risky or not. Um, and, but the, the context of that show is that there's not really an opportunity for follow-up. And so we, we do have some good follow-up from our tamale episode, Ben. And this, this comes from a friend of the show, Alex Castillo. Uh, for those that don't know Alex, he is a professor at the university at not at, uh, sorry, at Texas A&M. Boy, don't confuse those, uh, <laughs> Texas A&M. And, um, so basically, in the in the risky or not episode, we talked about parking lot tamales, right? Which is an actual thing, an actual real thing that that people do. And again, this kind of ties in with people um, maybe living life on the edge, uh, and and people have a business of going to parking lots and selling homemade tamales. And we talked about whether they were risky or not. And then uh, Alex called us out for, and we try to, you know, we, as much as we can in 10 or 15 minutes, dig into the science, but we missed, and again, it's, you know, two, two white guys reading to each other from the internet, um, but the uh, we missed a, a very important paper. And this is a paper uh, that Alex calls out for us, and this is published in 2005 um, uh, by Navarro Hildago et al., uh, Journal of Food Protection, which reports high counts of of clostridium perfringens in tamales um, sufficient to conclude that potential inadequate holding can make them risky. And then, so Alex writes, as a Mexican, every time I can in Guadalajara, I buy tamales from establishments where it is obvious they finish cooking them and offer them for sale within a short time after cooking. When you buy tamales from the street, look you look for vendors who have a steam pot on a Mexican-style grill on a fray, he, I guess that's the name of the grill, to keep them hot or buy them early in the morning, made shortly before. As you know, most of the issues will come from clostridium perfringens. You guys were right when you said tamales are hard to undercook, but give tamales enough time at room temperature and parking lot tamales will definitely be risky. Um, just my disclaimer. Yes, thank you. So so excellent, excellent feedback um, from, from Alex Castillo. And and I will I, I will not revise. I just want to highlight for um, the, the record that I, I did uh, go with risky uh, because of uh, temperature control. So I'm not going to revise my uh, my thoughts based on this this data. I think I uh, think this data supports my cho- my choice. 
<laughs> and I and I and I think I said not risky. Is that you right, did, Ben? You did. Damn. But I am also going to stand on not risky because I believe in the episode. Um, I dithered and equivocated such that I said that I would buy them if they were. I would. I would. Here's the thing. I would always buy them because I want to help the person who's selling parking lot tamales. But I would only eat them if they were hot. And I think that also covers me in terms of clostridium perfringens risk. So I think. I think Ben. Once again, we're both right. I think we're. I think we're good. Um, uh, uh, listener, friend of the show, Michelle Daniluk, um reminded me that there's actually a uh, a picture of the not parking lot tamale that I had, but street side tamale that I had um, when we were traveling in Guatemala a few years ago. So I'll, uh, we'll send that link, or, or we'll put that that link in show notes. But it, it's it's a it, it was I, from from my memory, it was a pretty tasty. Um, tamale, uh, but uh, I oops I uh, I can confirm uh, that uh, it is my hand in the picture that is a sweatshirt that I still uh, own, um, and uh, so yeah I I certainly um, I certainly ate a, a side of the road tamale and it was it was excellent and actually probably looking at it now the riskiest thing in that. Uh, and that tamale was probably the the guacamole and pico that was on it, not the tamale itself. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have in the world of feed or uh, follow up, Don? Well, that's a good question. I'm I'm looking for this article um, uh, that Alex was talking about. So I had took my eye off the ball, Ben. I apologize. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, do you want to oh. talk about? Yeah, go ahead. I want to talk. Okay, so this, uh, you know, really, this show becomes a companion explainer to Risky or Not. I think, right? Like, the, exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, the best, the best kind of podcasts are ones that you have to do another podcast to talk about the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So we're good. It's good. I understand. <laughs> it turns out Kathy has that podcast, which is talking to other people about <laughs> the podcast true, they I like. Do. Yeah. <laughs> that, that just goes to other podcasts in the network of the podcast world. Um, yeah. Okay. So we we did uh, a an episode on con- confit garlic and botulism in garlic con- confit. So this was uh, risky or not episode seventy eight, and a barbecue place, uh, Pulaski Heights Barbecue, tweeted at us uh, about this, and we had a I, I think a really interesting conversation on Twitter, and I do want to talk a little bit about this. So um, the question was. Botulism and garlic confit from uh, Risk or Not episode 78. If the oil-garlic mixture is heated above 250, it should be safe. Yes. That's that's the original question. Then, um, you know, we, we uh, dither and equivocate a little bit, or Don does. I didn't actually weigh in because I wanted to talk about it here. Um, and essentially the idea is that they're f- using fry oil for that garlic or frying oil so that, that the gar- or that that the oil is really really hot. hot oil will get above 212 degrees so so don what do you like let, you want to you want to talk about this one a little bit where your thoughts are yeah, well, I, you know, I stupidly, I stupidly had this discussion on Twitter instead of saving it for the podcast where I could correct myself in real time and where there's no permanent record. Um, yeah, I, 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 in my defense, I kind of misunderstood what he was saying, right? I think what he's saying is if you make this garlic confit, can you, I, I mean, I guess is it your, well, I still, I'm still confused about exactly what he's asking, what, 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 what they are asking, right? And so, 
is it, are you making it by frying it? Are, are you making it and then frying it? I mean, again, I think you still need some sort of a scheduled process, right? Because if you're, if you're cooking this garlic oil mixture, if you're frying it in oil and you're getting the temperature up, I still, I still want to know if it's an appropriate process for getting rid of Clostridium botulinum. So he says cooking the garlic, so Pulaski Heights Barbecue writes, cooking the garlic in oil easily gets to 250 and above. Um, and I, I, again, I, I thought I misunderstood what he was doing. I thought it was, he needed a pressure cooker. Um, yeah, so I, I, I guess, but I'm still, I still want, I still want to know, I, I still think if you, if you want to say that this recipe is safe from perspective of Clostridium botulinum, I think we, we need to know something about the process, right? And that, I guess, I, I don't know, Ben, yeah. help, help me out here. I'm, I, I'm dig, I think I'm digging myself in deeper. No, no, you're good. Cause I think the question, the question that came in, um, was all right, that oil. So, and Kathy, just so you can follow along uh, here, I, I dropped a TikTok because everybody loves to watch TikToks. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm so I, thank goodness because yeah. uh, something you don't know about me is every day since uh, quarantine happened in March, my daughter and I have done a daily TikTok. Oh. So I Amazing. am deep in the TikTok world. I bet you can't guess what my uh, username is, is over Ms. there. Is it Mrs. Soup? Of course it is. Yes. Of course. And you know what? When you have a handle as good as Mrs. Soup, you always need to use it. Like you can't. It's you, true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's true. So, so Sorry. Continue. No, no. You're good. So there's a TikTok of that that where this original question came from was was a, a guy, uh, Omnivorous Adam who's making this garlic confit. And so he's he's taking this oil, he's putting it in the oven uh, with, with, with garlic, um, he's roasting it, but then he's storing it in the rest of the oil in a jar at room temperature. I'm still gonna say, Don, like, I get what the guy's asking about, um, or I, I get what, um, what Pulaski Heights Barbecue is asking about here. I, I still don't, I still think that the process as it is on TikTok would not, I think there's a chance, like, I don't, I don't think it's validated to, um, uh, inactivate the, um, uh, clostridium botulinum spores that might be on that garlic. And when you pull it into the, pour it into the jar, I don't think you're taking care of any risks associated with that. It's not like you're pouring this hot oil and then processing it again under pressure, which is what it would take. So I, I, I think, yes, yes, heated oil can get, here's my like train of thought. Can oil get above 230 degrees Fahrenheit? Yes, check. Can the oil in in an oven get above 230 degrees Fahrenheit? And if the um, if the uh, garlic is in it, could it take care of some of the spores that are there? Maybe, but that's certainly not what's you know. There's no like time temperature combination that's that's showing that. And then I still think it's risky when you put it in the jar cold with maybe additional oil or the same oil. I don't know, but I, I don't, I, I, and then let that jar sit at room temperature. So I think it needs to be refrigerated and I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's still risky if it's not. And, and that was the original. And here's, here, and here's the thing. Garlic is really good. So make some garlic confit, eat it up and then make some more. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, make some garlic confit, eat, put it in your fridge for a while, right? Like you don't have to put it in the, on at room temperature. That's right. the, yeah, that's the key. That, that's the key here. So anyway, it's, what's really been interesting, I don't know, Kathy, if you get this with with your with your podcast and, and 
it, appearing on other podcasts, we, having <laughs> Risky or Not has opened up like a whole different world of listeners to us that we mm. weren't talking to before. <laughs> people, that didn't, the people that don't want a two-hour show. Yeah, yeah. They don't want to listen to food safety talk. Like nobody cares about that. But if you tell me, hey, can I do this? And you say no in a shorter window, much easier to, yes. you know. Indulge on yes, like uh, one, and it's it's different people, and it has different, like, there's just different in- interaction and engagement with people on it. So it's been really interesting, uh, like, to be. We we've done it now for a year, but I think just in the last two or three months, when we post an episode, we we're getting five or six times the amount of comments, and that's amazing engagement is so important and getting that connection with the people that are listening is just that high you get from oh my gosh somebody listens <laughs> so true yes yeah and it's and it's and they, and they weird and they, they pay attention yeah and they they get the jokes and speaking of jokes ben um as you know on this podcast it's not really a joke it's more like a legal requirement we we are required to have a certain amount of canadian content and uh, <laughs> or 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 as they say uh content from uh gouvernement du canada i think is how you say that <laughs> and, and i'm looking specifically ben here i'm looking at this public health notice outbreak of salmonella infections linked to eggs um i am quite sure that you put this into the Dropbox folder at, at, because you're the one who's – Kathy, I don't know if you picked up on this. Ben has a little bit of a funny accent. He's what? in North Carolina, but it's not a southern accent. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's my letter Kenny accent coming through right here. Uh, I know. I was a little concerned that I was on the show and I haven't watched Letter Kenny. So, ooh. yeah, thank you for – for for letting oh, me be here. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, first of all, go watch it. At least, I know. Well, at least watch S one E one scene one. Right? Does yeah. it? Does it? Ho- hockey players in the driveway. Can I compensate with the fact that my very first podcast that I ever did was SestraCast, where we did uh, episode by episode rewatch and talk about uh, Orphan Black? Does uh, that like that helps? Yes. Get me back in the good graces of Canada. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. It, it certainly does. Um, if if you were thinking like in the in the pecking order of where Orphan Black is, I think it's right below Degrassi uh, okay. Junior High and and right above uh, Schitt's Creek. So I think you're yeah I think you're right in the oh, you're wow. in the sweet spot yeah of like uh, uh, yeah, canonical Canadian uh, uh, TV shows. Fantastic. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean Canadian content here, Don. This is. Um, the, uh, something that uh, that I saw on the on the social medias yesterday, uh, public health notice outbreak of salmonella infections linked to eggs, and this is uh, I, I actually put this in there. So, um, it, Kathy, this is the first time that they. Uh, well, you've listened to one episode, uh, and but in what we would done. Well, no, I think I think she might have listened to two. She said something about listening to an episode after I was on Dubai Friday. So oh, maybe yeah, she's listening. So she, I've slept since then, so <laughs> yeah. nothing may. Yeah, that, it, pretend like I didn't listen to that episode. Well, <laughs> and that was that's perfect because that was before we were doing our bit of FDA. <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. It's a bit. It's a bit. FDA. <laughs> CDC, FDA, CDC plus. Wow. <laughs> Which <laughs> I love it. This is the part of the show where I mess up what the bit's called every single time. But we, what we do is try to grade 
um, communications from governments uh, about food safety on a on a letter grade basis. And so we Ooh. we look at something every week. And this is my submission, and it's the it's the French version. Uh, well, it's not. It's the the French Canadian translated version, maybe of FDA CDC plus, where we talk about a government of Canada, uh, Health Canada. Uh, sorry, Public Health Agency of Canada, which is known as PHAC. Uh, uh, document and so, so P H A C D plus, yep, P H A C D plus, D E plus, yes, correct. When do we get the uh, P H A C pro plus plus? <laughs> it's coming, do we have to pay extra for that. It's, yeah, it's in the next, uh, in the uh, it's right after WWDC this year. Okay. <laughs> Uh, um, so, all right, here's, here's the gist of this, this, uh, people in, uh, Eastern Canada are getting sick from eggs, salmonella from Newfoundland and Labrador. Well, salmonella from eggs in Newfoundland and Labrador and Nova Scotia. And I have, there's a, a special place in my heart for Nova Scotia. Um, because I, I used to, as a, as a, as a small boy growing up, I used to spend my summers in Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island with my family on the, on the East coast of Canada. So I, I have, I still have, uh, uh, cousins and, and uncle who live, um, in Nova Scotia. And so every time Nova Scotia and foodborne illness comes up, I send them links to that. Cause I feel like that's the right duty to, to be as a, as a family member. Um, so so Don, uh, let, let me let me read through this a little bit. So, uh, um, based on uh, uh, well, okay, uh, public sorry, health. Sorry, sorry, I have to yep. interrupt you for one second. I I just learned something about Canada. Oh, go go ahead. Newfoundland, Newfoundland and Labrador. That's the name of a single province. Correct. Yes, I did not know this. Yeah, we got New, Newfoundland. Huh. Yeah. The, I, I, it's I was I was I was also confused about I think it was Guadalajara, California, which is actually Mexico, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Newfoundland, Newfoundland, the Ohio University of of Miami University of Ohio. I'm very I get very confused. Well, <laughs> Newfoundland is what uh, I mean. We'll, we won't go so much into Canadian history, but it's it, it was the it was a province uh, that joined in like what 1949 or something. But then there's a bunch of uh, northern Quebec that also. Uh, which is known as Labrador, where uh, they they are linked together. So Newfoundland and Labrador, but the island is Newfoundland. Also, Got it. Oh, okay, but it's one. All right, all right, yeah. all right. So I, I'm not completely wrong. No, Labrador okay. is, only a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It it's a uh, also I know an American when I see one or hear one <laughs> because they <laughs> because they don't call it Newfoundland, they call it Newfoundland. 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 Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Montreal, which is also known as Montreal, uh, it, they're, they're just immediate <laughs> American tells. Um, so, so people in the in the Belle Provence—that's uh, actually Quebec. So, like in the north of the Belle Provence of Newfoundland and, and Labrador, and also a little east of that, and Nova Scotia are getting sick from uh, from from something. And so, public health agencies collaborating with provincial public health partners. Uh, to investigate an outbreak of salmonella infections involving those two provinces. The outbreak appears to be ongoing. So this is as of February 18th, last night, um, uh, as recent illnesses continue to report to be reported to PHAC. Based on the investigation findings to date, exposure to eggs has been identified as a likely source of the outbreak. Many of the individuals became sick reported consuming, preparing, cooking, and baking at home with eggs. 
Some individuals ex uh, reported exposure to eggs at an institution, including nursing homes and hospitals where they resided or worked before becoming ill. Um, okay, so that's a little bit of the information that's that's important. I, I, I'm going to jump down because they, they kind of have all this like nerdy salmonella, cook your eggs kind of stuff. The As of February 18, 2021, there have been 57 laboratory-confirmed cases of salmonella enteritidis illness investigated in the following provinces. Newfoundland and Labrador, 25. Nova Scotia, 32. Individuals became sick uh, between late October and late January. Uh, 19 individuals have been hospitalized. So that's, that's a lot. Um, no deaths have been reported, uh, age, age range between two and 98 and 68% of cases are female between October and December, 2020 CFIA issued food recall warnings for a variety of eggs distributed in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia and Newfoundland and Labrador. Don, this is where things go off the, the rails for me a little bit. Can you, do you think that a, a really good way to like tell people about this recall would be to actually link to those recalls directly in this public health agency of Canada document. But that would seems like it would be a good thing, right? It's not there. There's no link. Also. Huh. Yeah. Wait, what about in the, the following paragraph? CFIA will notify the public through updated food recall warnings. Yeah. Go click on that and find some recall warnings that have happened. It's like a litany of recalls, which, okay. so there's Oh, I can search maybe. I can wow. search for. I guess. And then I start um, looking for, um, okay, food, certain. Salmonella? Yeah, maybe. Oh. Eggs. Well, there's an undeclared egg okay. product. Uh, well, that's not it. That's not salmonella. Eggs, undeclared eggs, undeclared eggs. I'm, scroll I'm still scrolling, Don. Recall warning. Oh, yeah, here it is. I found it. Newfoundland and Labrador. Hilly Acres Farm recall due to salmonella. Oh, I could have really just linked to that. Linked to that. Yeah. <laughs> but made it really hard. And in fact, it, how do I even know if the eggs that I'm eating are, are linked to this? Okay. So that, that's problem number one for me. And I'm really glad Kathy's here because I want to. I, I got. I've got questions for Kathy on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got questions. She, ben, she she is what we call in the business a normal person. Yes. <laughs> Just, whoa, now, whoa! Well, <laughs> I do not identify as normal, but I am willing to well, play is. that role on this podcast. <laughs> she, yes, she is in her Twitter bio. She is dressed as a unicorn. So, uh, but I well, am dressed as a unicorn <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> You're dressed as a unicorn right now. I am. Well, technically, yes. Uh, my headphones have a unicorn horn on them uh, because in my real life uh, I am a unicorn for small businesses and I help them get their shit together. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, well, okay, so, alright, so first, my first problem with this um, with this press release is it doesn't link to the actual recall. My second problem is there is the, an issue here where they say that the stuff that was in the recall actually is no longer on the shelves or shouldn't be because it's past the shelf life of the eggs. And I want to talk about that. So let me, let me read to you directly from the investigation summary. It's in the next paragraph or next line. Recalled eggs are now past their shelf life and are no longer available for purchase. Some individuals who became sick in this outbreak reported exposure to recalled eggs. However, there are a number of recent ill individuals that do not. 
So as someone, and I, I, I'll, because I'm, I'm much more sensitive to um, normalizing things and, and sensitive to, to my words than Don is, uh, Kathy. So as someone who's not in the food safety world, but I, by no means what I call you normal, um, <laughs> would, what do you, like, first of all, do you have you do you ever see recall notices like not from Canada just in general like, like is, is, <laughs> yeah not I don't I I'm not on the Canadian distribution <laughs> list okay. um, but yeah I I will see you know shared around in social medias or sometimes there will be you know a printout on the grocery store shelves uh, that says you know recall warning or whatever but. The words that you were saying basically means to me that I hypothetically could have bought whatever eggs that were there because eggs in the store were no longer part of the outbreak. Is that kind, accurate? I mean, kind, kind of, of. Yeah. So potentially, I, this is the unclear part, and this is why I'm going to give this like a, a C in communication. I think that so I I have um eggs have a really long shelf life, right? Like they're they, they don't expire. I, I think we I mean this this harkens back to our previous discussion about like we make assumptions about what people do with things. So it's like, well, if you can't get this food because it's not in the grocery stores, we don't really need to tell people about this old recall that happened that might also be related to these illnesses. So we're not going to tell people to go check your, your, um, you know, your, your, your pantry. Well, not your pantry in this case, but your, your refrigerator. But I mean, it, it's not, it's just not really well communicated to me. So so I, I guess my like, you know, taking t – let's step out of eggs in general, right? Like so if you saw – Kathy, if you saw a recall notice somewhere about a food that you did eat, like if it was – and I, I don't want to make any pre presuppositions about your egg consumption or other foods. <laughs> okay. But any food that, that you eat, if you saw a recall notice for it, would you – and what – like what would you – what would you do? Would you do anything? Would you not – and and I like there's no this is not a like uh, 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 there's no right or wrong answers here. Okay, I was gonna say, am I gonna get no. kicked off if I say <laughs> yeah? No. So let we'll talk about eggs, uh, for example. I think if I was at the store that I because I'm I'm glad that you said that eggs don't really expire because um, I usually get the five. I almost said gallon, um, <laughs> the five dozen egg box because they're quick and easy and full of protein. And so we eat a lot of eggs in my family. Um, but if I, so it also lasts a while. So I think if I was at the store and I was passing by the area that had these specific eggs from the specific, you know, location, and it said that there was a recall on them, I might, because I am in a privileged place to be able to repurchase eggs, um, I might decide, okay, I better, you know, get eggs that were not under the recall. Yep. Yep. Would you? But I, that's only if I happen to see it, like that they were linked to that particular, like, so if, if say the, the, Kirkland eggs 
from Costco said that they were recalled because they had salmonella, I wouldn't throw out my Kroger brand yep. Yep. eggs. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally, it totally yeah, makes no. sense. <clears throat> would you, would it cause you to go to your, to your fridge and say, you know what? I, I did purchase my five dozen eggs. I, I, I should, I should go look and see if they're part of this, this recall. And that, again, there's no like, there's no like, no wrong answer in this. Like, I just real, and I'll and I'll give you my like, how I I approach this. I don't think I would like like as a food safety person. I think I would I would miss it, or I, I I'm not confident that I would that I would always see it or go back into my pantry to, um, or or my my refrigerator to look for it, and especially if it was something like eggs. So so if that if that helps with your answer, <laughs> yeah, I I I think the hard part specifically like for eggs is we take them out of the container yep. because of course we get five dozen and put them in this gigantic bowl of eggs in my refrigerator to pull them out of. So I would not be able to look at dates or whatever tracking oh. codes there are because I, I don't have that information anymore. That is, I mean, so that's exactly where, what, what we do too, right? Like I, yeah. and, and, and I told, and, and actually I'm in a, we're, we're in a weird spot right now um, with eggs in my house. As Don knows, <laughs> we, we talked about, I, we now have three chickens that produce eggs for us that oh, uh, I'm a farmer. I'm so farmer. jealous. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much like a, a full You're pulling farmer. your Canadian basically. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone's a farmer in Canada, right? Right. We're all farmers. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, and, and by farmer, I mean, I, I live in the middle of the city and we have three chickens in our front yard. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, but, but I, we, but one thing that, that I, we, we don't purchase a lot of eggs now, but we have had to purchase some eggs when it got a little bit cold and our, and our chickens weren't producing as much and we had to do some baking. But I, I'm like, similarly, like we're, I know for the most part, like, because they're, cause, cause each chicken produces a different type of egg kind of like different flex mm -hmm. and, and things, um, that I know where, which chicken they came from, but I don't know when they came in and then conversely like when we when we were purchasing eggs we we would buy two dozen and then have we've got like a little like slider um you know drawer in our fridge and and i would take from the ones at the front and we would finish some of a carton and then we would combine the cartons and all that kind of stuff right like it there, there's lots of movement of eggs going on in 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 my um in, in, our, in our kitchen we'd buy some more in we put whatever uh, so i think that your situation would be really like realistic. I don't think that, that people often know. And, and that's why I think that that's, it's even more important in one of these recall notices to link it back and say, what we're talking about is an outbreak that was, you know, seems to be linked to this specific brand and there might be others, but you should go look for it. And, and, and I also don't think, I don't agree with the comment in this, that those eggs are past their shelf life. Um, like, like I, because I, I know from questions that, that we get it through extensions, people freeze eggs, they pool eggs and they freeze them. They, they want to, uh, they, they might keep them for six weeks if they don't need a lot of, uh, eggs, they might keep them for eight weeks, 12 weeks. Um, and, and, it, and they sometimes will go bad, but realistically they're, they're not for the, for the most part. And so I think all of that wrapped up into this makes it really complicated and it's not the right like way to, to communicate this. Like they're just basically saying, Hey, there's people that are getting some from eggs in these two provinces. There have been recalls. 
uh, we don't think it's important for us to tell you about those recalls. And so mm. that, that's my, uh, I don't know. That's, that's, so, that's my approach. So I, I have, I have a, some follow-up questions for P hack, <laughs> which, <Okay. Go ahead. laughs> which is not to be confused with P hacking, which is a different thing that we're not or supposed to do. In science. <laughs> yes. Or P hands <laughs> or pecans or, or, or any, 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 any P. Um, all right. So, the, the re, I'm reading from the recall uh, notice now. The recalled eggs are now past their shelf life and are no longer available for purchase. Okay. Some individuals who became sick in this outbreak reported exposure to recalled eggs. So, therefore, some individuals who became sick did not ex- report exposure <laughs> to recalled eggs, right? Yes. Right? Yes, um, That's how I read and that. So the, all right, and, then, and then there's this other part of the sentence. However, there are a number of recent individuals that do not. Do not what? They just don't, Don. They're not, they just, you know <laughs> do, what? Dude, they, they didn't report exposure to recalled eggs. Did they report exposure to eggs? Like what? Like, and yeah, no, and I'm, I'm 100% now because on, on your like, why not link to the thing, right? Like link to this recall, which is Hilly, Far- Hilly Acres Farms, but there's three different kinds of products, right? Farmer John Iking. Um, and I'm guessing it's not, I mean, it's like Fred Meyer, right? It's, there probably was a John Iking at one point. Um, uh, so two, two kind of farmer John Iking eggs and then Nova eggs. Okay. But like, so, so what do we know about those recent individuals that do not, <laughs> they, they, right? They just can't, I guess. <laughs> it just they can't, can't even, even, even. <laughs> yeah. John, I, just as as a real time follow up, a John S. Iking Senior was born in Beverwick, Holland, and grew up working on the family farm. Uh, and then he uh, emigrated to Canada in 1963 in search of a new opportunity. They made eggs that got recalled in uh, 2020 and 2021. <laughs> that's that's what I've learned about. They uh, made the eggs. That's really impressive. <laughs> they made the eggs. Yeah, there's, you know, there, uh, it, it's it you you things that you might learn about Canada is making eggs. Uh, people are making <laughs> eggs uh, up there. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. This is like an. Like you said, I'm really glad that Kathy's here because this is the kind of stuff that Don and I look at all the time and try to put our what if we weren't in food safety hat on? What would we mm-hmm. glean from this? And I don't I, – I, what I would glean from this is no new information other than there's an outbreak of salmonella. People should cook their eggs. That's basically the two things that are coming out in here, which is not really – useful it's not it doesn't like okay great like what i I think though it's more useful than say "Mm, you might have a batch of eggs that might have been recalled because it maybe has salmonella like i feel like us normals loosely identified um (laughs) need as many like specific instructions as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I think that somehow here there are specific instructions that are missing. One is, Hey, you know what? There were some recalled eggs. We don't think that they're still in your, in like in fridges, but the, you know, if I'm, I'm looking at that product, the, there's a, uh, an expiration date of January 10th on or January. Yeah. January 10th. I mean, could somebody on February 18th have a, a, a carton of eggs that had that expiration date? I think so. Should yeah. we just like tell them to go look just to make sure like that really actionable thing? Yeah. The, right. Like the go. We, we don't think it's there. Everybody. But but go maybe go look. But tell people 
anyways to hey if you still have the container go and check this is the range of dates like this is the information that people can understand and is easy enough to check if you obviously if you have the container still but if you don't have the container still you can think back or like look at a receipt or whatever and say hmm I think I got eggs in that window in that range so maybe just to be safe I will make sure that this dozen eggs are cooked really well I won't use them for you know my soft boiled eggs in the morning I won't like I I will make sure that it's fully cooked just to be safe totally yeah totally and I I so I I really think that our the way that we've created our communication for recalls and what we want con- like what we want just normal people in their kitchens to do it, is not think like it's not about that like that's it, it really is what what is the information what do we have to do to be like responsible we have some a piece of information we need to tell them something also we're concerned that someone's going to get mad if we give them the wrong information so we kind of right. vanilla it up right and and yeah, yeah. and it's yeah it's it's frustrating. So I don't know. I'm, so so I, I let's go around here because this is the part. This is where we give the grades. <laughs> so so uh, so so uh, Kathy, you're you're a guest. What what kind of grade would you give uh, uh, FDA, CDC, B, PHAC? <laughs> um, I would say probably like a C minus. It's passing enough because it talks about you know the it describes the food item that potentially caused the issue as opposed to uh, maybe some food somewhere does it like granted the specifics of it say that, you know, it, it may not have been eggs, but it does talk about eggs. It does talk about the date ish that it might have happened um, so it's barely passing in that it gives some information, but definitely not good enough for anyone to actually like follow any instructions. All right. I like it. Do- Dr. Don, what's, I, what, what's your thought? What Exactly what Dr. Kathy just said. I 100% agree <laughs> with everything she said and do not, would not change a word. C minus for me too. All right. I'm gonna, I think I said C plus before. I'm going to stick with C plus mainly just because I don't want to – I don't want to change waffle? my grade. Yeah, I don't want to waffle. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and, and for, uh, I don't know. The big thing for me here is that there is other information that Public Health Agency of Canada has that they just didn't complete the loop on. Like it's here. It, you made me go search through your food recall warnings to find other things. And, and, and in fact, they, they didn't like – they don't even really call out this, like the recalled eggs are now past their shelf life. They just said more recall. If if we have more recalls, go check it here. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. It just seems like they miss an opportunity to make it more real and to, to really, to, to really say, Hey, uh, you, we don't, you know, like, like I'll, I'll reiterate what I, what I said before. We don't think you have these eggs anymore because it's a long time since when they're available. But if you do, why don't you just go check? Right, like the, if you froze them, if you've used them in in other things, I I, th- I often think that people who who work in the public health world don't really have a sense on what people do in their kitchens. Mm. Like like they they just don't like 
It's not a, it's not even part of it, right? Like what, what, they're not, they're they're just like, we have a job to communicate something. I don't need to fit the context of how someone might actually use this. So I'm, I'm going to generously give a C plus. Um, but, but I, I agree with your C minuses and, and, and if we were to like, um, round out the vote, your C minuses are going to, uh, definitely overturn my C plus and we would just go with a C minus overall grade. Yeah. It doesn't even average out to a C. No, no, yeah. it's not. not I think it averages out to a C minus. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so good. Thank you. Thank Kathy. Thank you for your, your input on that. And it, it's like, it, it's very useful to get someone's insight who, who actually is, you know, is not as close to these things as we are. Well, I'm always here to have opinions about the most <laughs> random things. And apparently I have strong opinions about eggs. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, Don, there was, there was one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. And, okay. and I think having, having Kathy here, this is going to, this is actually another cool, cool one to get her thoughts on. So I, I put a document, let me see if I can find the actual, it, it, it's from the food network. I've, I found the actual link. I'm going to send it to you guys um, in the chat here. Um, the headline is the top 19 things you already know. It's awesome, right? It's it, yeah. The top 19 things food dash safety experts won't eat, not food safety experts, but food dash safety experts won't eat. I don't know what that is. Now here's the best part. I got this. I, you know, I've, I've Don, I've told you about, um, my love of Apple news and Apple news plus. I got this through my, my little Apple news app. But to actually share it with you, I have to go to the foodnetwork.com website, and it's not mm-hmm. a linear scroll through a whole bunch of pictures like it is on the news app. It is, yeah. it is a, a freaking gallery. gallery. Gosh, I hate these. And there's not even a click to see. Nope. Oh, my gosh. This it's is the terrible. worst. It is the worst. So I don't – I, I, I want to highlight – there's 19 of them. Um I want, I want to, I guess I want some quick hits on this and, and let's, let's talk about it. So, um, it starts with, uh, the food safety diet, which is a really interesting way to think about my, I, I, I guess as a food, food dash safety expert, um, I'm, I'm often eating a food safety diet. Uh, but the article starts <laughs> food safety experts live and breathe these words. They preach. I'll call it the food safety diet. They have seen cases and read studies on what happens after eating high-risk foods and know the gruesome details of what happens when you eat tainted food. I asked nine other food-safety experts beside myself um, which, foods, foods they, which food they just won't touch. You'll be surprised what made the list. So are you ready? <laughs> Buckle up. Okay, real quick, right. before we start and get into the really important you know, actual conversation, I just have to point out that whoever edited this article has no consistency on the hyphen (laughs) for food safety. Even in that intro paragraph, it's it's like a 50-50 chance whether there's going to (laughs) be that dash or not. And I already have so many issues with (laughs) this Already she can't even. (laughs) Yes, I just can't. Yes, 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 yes. and and I, I want to highlight. The, the, I don't know if it's an inside joke that that I'm just creating here, but we not ne- like. It's not like we have a podcast called Food Dash Safety Talk. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I don't think I've ever ever seen it written as Food Dash Safety. So, um, so well, now, here, you now you have. have. Now I have. <laughs> yeah. uh, so 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 buckle up. Here we go. 
Number one on the list, and and I, I I'm saying number one on the list. No, I I think no particular order. Buffets. This comes from Emily Ellis, MSC Quality Assurance and Research and Development at Pelman Foods Incorporated. Uh, quote, while food regulations have become more stringent, there are a plethora of policies in place for food safe, for safe food handling and preparation practices. There are too many opportunities for mishandling for my liking. There are many chances for cross-contamination, especially when customers serve themselves. This can occur if, if a serving utensil ends up floating in a serving dish and anyone who touched the utensil previously had unclean hands. Improper temperature holding uh, and insufficient cooking methods can also lead to the growth of unwanted bacteria. Don, Don, Kathy, what do you think? Buffets. I I eat at buffets. Um, and improper temperature holding, insufficient cooling, that's a true statement. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I eat at buffets. I like buffets. I like being able to pick the foods that I want and the, the portions that I want. Thumbs yeah. up for buffets. <laughs> uh, I will say I that's part of something in the, in this world world that we live in now that I miss is uh, my family has a wide range of food choices and desires and mm. and uh, the options available for buffets um, are wide and fulfill a variety of uh, requirements and desires. Um, however, I don't see myself going back to a buffet anytime in like the next five years. Yeah, for for like maybe other reasons, right? Like, not, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Not not specifically, but also like you can usually tell if a food is going to be not the best choice. If you see someone grabbing salad with their hands, you're gonna skip the salad, <laughs> right? For right. sure. If, if if I see a buffet tray that has the um, as uh, as Emily Ellis says here, the uh, utensil floating in the serving dish. I'm I'm not gonna probably eat that one. So I, I have an a, a way to avoid it. But yeah, I mean I, I have a hard time just like saying buffets are out. Uh, full stop. That's that's not my that's not my. I don't see it that way. There's lots of things yeah. that can go wrong in lots of different areas in a buffet. I I actually have other ways to manage it um, you know, that I don't have in in a non buffet setting. So I'm I, all right. So I think we've landed on buffets are off that that are are still on our list of places that we would eat or types of food that we would eat. Yeah. Number two, this is a great one. I mean, they're all great. They're all my favorite. But this one's this one is <laughs> it really put me put me in the right mood. Sliced lemons. Many bars, quote, this is from uh, nutrition expert and dietitian Toby Amador. Many bar bars and restaurants serve a wedge of lemon or lime on the side of sodas, water, or beer. I always ask for mine without or pull it off right away. I do not know who handled that lemon and if they washed their hands properly before slicing it. Don, Kathy, slice lemons. Go. Oh. Well, let me let me point out that uh, Toby Amador is the author of this comment. <laughs> She's also the author of the article. So she is one of the food safety experts that she interviewed. And I have to say so far, I mean, not that I'm a food safety expert or anything. I don't recognize any of these people. No, no, so not yet. Not just yet. put that out there. No, 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 no offense, Toby. Um, no, I the lemons are fine. Jesus, I, I like lemons. I, I put them in things. <laughs> I mean, I don't like sliced lemons, but not because of the Food hands. Safety. Yeah. 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 I just don't want, if I want my water to taste like water, water. Yep. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. I will drink it in a beer or like a lime in a Cosmo, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I like a, I like a little sliced lemon in, in my, in my water. Um, I, I, if I'm worried about the person who sliced my lemon washing their hands, then I'm also worried about that same person who's going to make my sandwich, right? Like, mm-hmm. or, or whatever else that they're doing. Like if, if I'm, if I'm already here and I trust that they're not going to do everything else wrong, I can't see why the lemon all of a sudden is more important. Um, cause there's so many other foods that they're able to touch their hands with. So yeah. Uh, all right. Here's one next one on the list. Raw sprouts. We actually did a risky or not episode on this, uh, recently. Um, so this is from Daniel Archer, who is the uh, senior manager of food safety, workplace safety and environmental compliance for Stanford university residents and dining enterprises. Um, despite the health benefits, I won't eat raw sprouts. I stare clear of any food with raw sprouts in it because they have the propensity to cause foodborne illness just by their nature and how they are grown. Sprouts, sprouts have been documented in being host to many foodborne illness pathogens. Uh, the best conditions for sprouting also sprout support the rapid growth of foodborne illness pathogens if present in the seed. Um, yeah. So raw sprouts, where are you, where are you guys at with raw sprouts? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Daniel makes a good point. Um, I, again, like Kathy and lemons, right, I don't eat sprouts because I don't like them. I don't like the taste of them. Um, I understand that they are probably uh, high risk or higher risk. Um, uh, I guess it's sort of, again, it's like, do we really need another list? And do we really (laughs) need a list to tell people that food safety experts won't eat sprouts? I think there's plenty of ample evidence out there that food safety experts won't eat sprouts. So I'm, you know, like I said, I good, good friends, uh, um, with, um, Bob Sanderson who runs Jonathan sprouts. Uh, I think there's ways to do sprouts safely. Um, but it's, 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 you know, they, and we need to do that. Um, it's complicated, but yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't like lists like this, Ben, but if, I if pressed, I guess I would put sprouts on the list, but not, 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 uh, not Jonathan sprouts that Bob Sanderson makes. <laughs> Cause he's my friend. <laughs> he's your friend. Yeah. And, 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 and he does a good job. Yeah, and see Risky or Not episode on sprouts for, for more on yes. that. Kathy, what, yes. what, do, what do you think about sprouts? I'm trying to think of what I would eat sprouts on or with, and I can't – I mean, I think there was a phase that I ate them on my salad – on my sandwiches where I was like, oh, these are great. But I've – it's probably been eight years since I've even thought of sprouts – so thanks for resetting that clock for me. <laughs> I'm I, I'm a I'm a I'm a, a no sprouts kind of guy for for the similar similar reasons that, that Daniel Daniel's got. So this one I, this one would be on my list if I was forced to make a list. All right, I'm gonna in, in the you know we won't go through all 19 of these. I'll, I'll let me highlight because I'm gonna group a few of them. Well, so and I and I I do want to say Kathy. Uh, we our episodes go for a while. Oh yeah, this is gonna this is longer than normal. So I apologize if you if you <laughs> no, have other stuff to good. do or if you need to pee or anything. Yeah. I mean, I have I have stuff to do because I always have stuff to do. But this is way more fun. So cool. let's so, let's I'm, judge people's opinions. Perfect. That's what we're here for. Yes. yes. Uh, okay. So all right. Let me. There's a few that I can group together here. Um, raw undercooked ground meat, raw oysters. Um. Uh, there's another one here, uh, tartar. So steak tartar and r- let's put raw and undercooked eggs. Cause we just, we just talked about that a little bit. So I, you know, uh, let me, let me jump in on these. I think these would all be 
foods that that are are riskier than than not. <laughs> um, that's a different show. Uh, <laughs> that's but, a different podcast. Yeah, we don't do. We don't do yeah. riskier than not. But uh, the, you know, there. Yeah, these these are these would be ones on my list if I, if people were going to ask me about foods that that if I was high risk for um, you know serious illness from from foodborne illness that I would avoid uh, or I would try to take care of by temperature control or cooking. But it's all these a lot you know a bunch of raw. Uh, meats and, and proteins. So I, I, mean, yeah. I think this one's fine. And, and, and I'll say with respect to undercooked ground meat, the finally an expert I've heard of. Uh, this is Mindy Brashears um, from Texas Tech. Uh, she's back at Texas Tech. She did. She was at USDA FSIS during the Trump administration. Um, I wonder, and this is another pet peeve in articles like this, where's the date of the article, right? Like, I'm pretty sure it's old because I think that's Mindy's old position before she went to Washington. So again, I, I just... I mean, what, you know, please give me a date for the article. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's no date. There's no date. It's yeah, it's an it's a ever it's evergreen, <laughs> as the Food Network <laughs> says. Yeah. So, yeah. I the I, so let's let's move on to like some more. I, I think some interesting ones that are on the list here, and I want to. <laughs> I don't know, where do I end here? We talked, so dented cans is on the list and it's damaged canned goods. Um, so this, you know, harkens back to our earlier discussion, Fred Meyer, as a food, this is from uh, Cordelius, uh, Sora, um, uh, Casago. As a food safety expert, I would not eat food from a can that is deeply dented, rusted, and or bulging. Part of the canning process involves processing food at high temperatures to destroy harmful bacteria. Blah 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 blah. Don't you know? Uh, dented can, damaged cans are um, are unsafe. I, I'm gonna fall on that is not really uh, a, a full, you know a an absolute, and certainly how damaged and how dented the can is, and if it's leaking, that really really matters. Uh, if there's an actual puncture. <laughs> And if it's bulging, and if right? it's bulging, yeah, and and again, yeah. but a bulging can could be spoiled. It might not be unsafe, but I, I I don't make it a practice to do that. So, and again, the this is uh, uh, let's see, a bulge in the can, uh, uh, a bulge in the can is a tell telltale sign that air and possibly harmful bacteria have been introduced. That's not that's just wrong. It's bulging, not because <laughs> air has been introduced. It's bulging because the, the canned seal is intact and the microorganisms inside are making gas as they metabolize the food. So, sorry. And this is another expert that I have not heard of. So, sorry, Cordialis. Um, I don't know who you are and I don't think you're an expert. Well, they're a <laughs> spokesperson. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with spokespeople, but I don't know. Uh, I, I will eat you know, cans that have dents in them, but definitely not something rusted or bulging or like the, the, or leaking or anything like that. You can, I feel like society has kind of informed people on like, Hey, if this seal is broken, it's probably not a good idea to, consume it or if there's rust probably not a good idea to consume it um but like a little dent because you dropped it when right. you were filling yourselves like I'll, I'll i'll probably still eat that yeah yeah no abs absolutely 
All right. And I'll say I'll say too, just before we completely leave dented cans, what's important is where is the dent? If the dent is on the side of the can, that's fine. The the weak point of the can is the double seam, right? So that's the top mm-hmm. seam or the bottom seam. And so look for damage to the double seam. That's where you're going to get into trouble. Like a little bit of a dent on the side of the can is fine. I mean, that's it's not it's not that's the, these cans are grossly dented that they're showing in the picture, but but a, a, a dent on the side is fine. But w- watch the double seam. It's good to know. See, look at that actionable information to like be aware of. There you go. Drop in science. Try, <laughs> uh, Only uh, took two hours and ten minutes. We did it. We did it. <laughs> so I, I want let's let's go ahead and and there there are a few others in here that are not as interesting, but I want to end on 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 the the uh, maybe my favorite in the list here, which is mixed nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I so, was hoping this. Is I, the was, I was hoping this too. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. So this comes from Laurel Ann Dellinger uh, of Laurel Ann Nutrition. Uh, Laurel Ann writes: I would never eat from the dish of mixed nuts that sit out at a bar. It is hard to know how many dirty hands have touched them and how long they've been out. If you really love nuts. Ask your bartender to pour <laughs> a fresh, yeah, a fresh bowl just for yourself. I, I'll, I, I think that this is not real. Like th- this is not a risky uh, practice. So, like certainly, you could have, you know, it could be gross. People putting their dirty hands into into a nut bowl, but I, we've we got no like data of actual illnesses, outbreaks coming from this. The thing that could happen is someone's got norovirus on their hands and they, you know, put it into this bowl of nuts. But I, I mean, this is, this is, it's never really going to happen, right? Like one of these theoretical risks. So I, this would never make my list of like the top 19 things that food dash safety experts would meet if I was included in the list of food dash safety experts. I think, Oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) I think that, the idea of unwashed hands touching something for humans, it kind of is like, but you're, there's not going to be a level of gross germs on it. That's going to infect you, which I feel like this type of conversation is something that's kind of happened more in a general term with like coronavirus and like how, what risks are you going to balance around for exposure and how much of this particular something will cause an infection versus, you know, you get one little norovirus speck, you're probably not going to like bloom into whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't eat the mixed nuts because I don't want to eat mixed nuts. I want to like eat real food if I'm at a bar and it, nuts aren't enough to keep me full if I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Jeez. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do like, I do like nuts at the bar. Um, and, and I, I will use them as a substitute for eating real food. <laughs> um, just while we're, while we're sharing here. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think mixed nuts. I mean, it's gross. It's a gross factor, right? But it's not really a high risk factor. And yeah, you know, and again, the, the most important thing here, if there's somebody at the bar who has norovirus, right? I don't want to be at the bar. 
the, the nuts are, are kind of a, a side, right? I just don't want to be anywhere around somebody that's shedding norovirus. And, and I guess the nuts could be a vehicle, but yeah. And I, you know, if you if it skews you out, yeah, sure. Ask for a fresh bowl. That's, that's fine. I mean, who doesn't like just, a fresh bowl? Just yeah. be really nice and tip for oh, your drinks. Oh, well, yes. And yes. don't just order water. Yes. Right. Right. Just don't, you're not showing up because to the bar <laughs> for the nuts. <laughs> yeah. don't, 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 don't drink water and, uh, and eat the free nuts. That's, right. that's not nice. Right. And, uh, because your free nuts will have the bartenders spit and hand <laughs> on them probably. Like, let's just be nice to people. Again, I'm going to put this out there as yes. a really, like, intense, new, fresh idea. Just be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, let's make sure that we think about it, right? Like, just, yeah, I, that's an awesome, it's an awesome way to, to end this. Um Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. I think that's, I mean, I think that's a show because we, we have uh, gone over two hours here. Uh, and Well, it's and something. It's something. It's, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a show. We just, we're just going to put it up. So <laughs> it's a show once, once Ben makes it into a show. Yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's happening. It's all happening. Um, so, but yeah, thanks. I mean, thanks for, for jumping in on Clubhouse with Don last night. Thanks for accepting his invite. Thanks for coming in and talking with us. This has been, this has really been a pleasure. It's been a great conversation and thanks for sticking around while we talked about our nerdy things and, and providing your insight. That was, I, that was awesome. I, I love nerdy things. I love people that are excited about nerdy things. I, listen to people talk about nerdy things because they're excited about it. Even if I don't understand it, even if I don't get it, it's, if it's not an active part of my life, I still love hearing people get excited about things. And I, I like that energy and vibe in my life. Um, so thank you for talking about things that you're excited about in ways that normal people, uh, can understand. Well, thanks for being a part of it, Kathy. Yeah. All right. Well, we uh, Don and I always end this kind of awkwardly because um, we don't really have like a – there's no <laughs> – there, I mean, there's outro music that's probably starting to play right now. But but essentially, we just go, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's better than the end of our roboisms where we attempt multiple times to say together, thank you for listening. <laughs> Oh, I have to say though, I, I again, I love that outro, and then the music that plays afterwards is fantastic. So, it's good, so good, good, good job. I love it. Yeah. The, I did. I had nothing to do with that, and I love it. <laughs> so, good job, Alex, for finding the right music for it. Yay, Alex! All right, we guys. We love Alex. Well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs>
Oh, fantastic. That was awesome. Stopping recording. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, um, for joining us. That was, that was really cool. Yeah. Thank you for letting me sound smarter than I am. Oh, no. no you, you <laughs> perfect. You held your own. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, good. Good. Yeah. I, I always get concerned that uh, my imposter syndrome is strong in many, many ways, but uh, being able to come in and, and, I don't even know the words. So uh, clearly, I used up all my words. I'm sounding smart for the day. You hit you you hit your imposter syndrome very yeah. well. Oh yeah. Well, and, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I love about podcasting and and listening to podcasts and 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 contributing to other podcasts is that having a, a like a new voice into the into the mix is is refreshing so it was it was cool we we don't we don't often have a whole lot of guests i mean we probably had i don't know 15 or 20 total over the course of the the show but it's always it's always cool because it's don and i are we're just talking to someone else new right like that that we don't we don't get to talk yeah. to all the time and and it's it's fun and it's it makes for a more um a, you know, a different kind of uh episode is great and i'll um yeah this is this is awesome so um yeah, so I'll I'm gonna edit this this afternoon, so it'll probably go up hopefully hopefully tonight, um, or Perfect. this afternoon or something like that. Um, and then I also put a link into my magic questionnaire. Uh, I already got Don to fill it out, but if you can fill that out yeah. too, we'll get you on the show. Absolutely, uh, got it. it. Yeah, yeah. I love what I love about it. so I don't do the scheduling because I've hired somebody to do that, and I don't do the editing because I hired somebody to do that. So and. I come in Whoa. with fresh eyes. So unless I know the person beforehand, I don't do any research on my guests. So I basically have set up my podcast to be the absolute laziest as possible. Um, and I love it, though, because it brings those ideas of like that freshness and those new conversations. Every single time I record, I'm, I'm meeting these people for the first time. They don't know me unless they've listened to my podcast. But being able to like introduce myself and my audience to the show at the same time is really, really fun. So I'd love to have you on and match you up with someone fun. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, no, that, that's super cool. I'm, I'm going to fill it out right now. That's, that's, that's really great. Perfect. Well, um, do you want me to uh, send you my recording at all, or do you just use the Skype? I'm yeah. We usually just use, three of us, so yeah. yeah. We, we usually just use the the Skype. <laughs> we're, okay. we're not professionals. Yeah. We, I, we, people have told us that our podcast sounds really good, and then I've listened to podcasts that are really well edited, and and I know ours does not sound so, really good. Right. But it's apparently it's good enough for our audience. Yeah. yeah no, it, it's true. It, and I have my two separate recordings available. Both of which, well, the first one I didn't start recording because I wasn't aware of the connect, <laughs> like when I was coming on yet. I feel like this so is I happening. missed the first bit, but then the first part of my automatic Skype recording had the wrong microphone. So really, it's fine. You're good. Yeah, no, we're we're yeah, we're totally good. We I, I had you guys sounded great. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've I've got the the copy of the recording. If we if I happen to need something, Don has a backup copy too. So I think we're perfect. Gonna, yeah, I think we're all good. I do as well. So uh, cool. I think we're covered. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I uh, I got to run to uh, chat with a grad student, so I'm going to go do that. Don, I'll text you just about scheduling the next one. 
Um, okay, and then and then Kathy, what we usually do is we have the music outro plays, and then we we have a, a after dark where we talk to each other about mostly about when we're going to schedule the next podcast, nice. and so. We just need to, like Ben, you just need to get clear. If if we're going to release that as well, then Kathy just needs to be okay with it. Oh, She's yeah. going to be on that recording. Oh, yeah. yeah and, I don't, uh, and that whatever. was all the stuff that we talked about after I said bye. Yeah. <laughs> Until right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I said anything bad, so I think we're good. No, you're fine. I just I just don't yeah. want you, I just want to be respectful of you know. No, thank you. I uh, I appreciate privacy that. and what they think is what they think is private that's actually right. Uh, this not, was so. off the record. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Never publish any of this. Not it cannot yeah. go public. Yeah. Yeah, so. no, pretty much anytime I'm talking on a microphone, I I try so, and yeah. understand that somebody is going to hear it, I think. Like, so I'm trying to be aware of the words that I say regardless. Awesome. Well, this, this is great. It's just been such a pleasure to meet you. And yeah, it was, it was Ah. great, great to have you on. So nice to meet you. And I uh, am excited. So thank you for having me. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, tag you probably in Twitter and uh, when I post on Twitter, if that's okay. Perfect. That you can't guess what my username is. I, so so funny. I think I actually started following you last night because I, I think you, too. yeah. So I know I know who you are. Um, yeah. Awesome. Cool. 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 Uh, all right. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.